0: It's time to get away in a new Hyundai vehicle during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event at Woodhouse Hyundai. The Hyundai lineup of sedans and SUVs has the capability you need and technology and features you want, like the all-new 2023 Hyundai Palisade and Hyundai Tucson. This holiday season, get into a vehicle that will give you confidence with Hyundai Owner Assurance America's Best 10-Year 100,000-Mile Warranty. Visit us online at WoodhouseHyundaiOfOmaha.com.
1: Hey, how's everybody doing? Got an important episode coming up. Got Dr. John Delaney. We're going to talk all about the mental health crisis that's going on here in the U S what's causing it. Maybe a little bit about what might fix it and what we can do is parents to make sure that this doesn't continue. Anyways, hope you all enjoy the episode. Please head over to iTunes. Leave us a review, and Spotify too. Love you all. Again, this is a very important episode. I hope you all get a lot out of it. Enjoy the show. See you soon. Cheers. One last thing, just one last thing. If we wanna get ahead of this thing, there's one thing everybody can do that's real simple. Just be a nice person. Inject good into this world, and I promise, eventually, it's gonna come back to you anyways love you all be kind that's it go cards cheers i'll say this the first thing that comes to mind is i had no idea how many people in this world live in fear
2: all the time all the time Tonight, the sheriff here revealing the worsening toll, at least 59 now dead.
1: What's your opinion on why is this happening? The mass shooting in Buffalo,
2: at least 10 people were killed. We took some kids who had just grown up and never handled weapons, but grew up on first-person shooter games, Mm -hmm. and they were dead. Screen time stimulates the release of the brain chemical dopamine.
0: We're expecting people to look as unhuman as possible.
1: I see a lot of my friends dying because of suicide. Yeah. Because they're unhappy. And, um, and now I see that spilling out into the masses. These messages were released on social media and he, he felt just absolutely humiliated. And he couldn't face that humiliation a school that was awaiting him
2: the next day. That's a child. This is what everyone on TikTok, you know what I mean? And he doesn't know what's happening to his brain by watching that trash all day long. When high schoolers get phones that disrupt their sleep, subsequently they go on to have higher rates of depression. The climate's gonna kill us in 25 years. The Republicans are gonna kill us in 25 years. China's gonna kill us in 14 years. Russia's gonna kill us. The only news that makes its way through our ecosystem is, it ends here.
1: These days, the Dow Jones rolls up and down like a wicked roller coaster. It's enough to make you sick. Deep down, you know something is broken. Now is the time to take control and do something about it by Precious Metals from Bullion Max. At Bullion Max, there's no need to talk to a salesperson and there are no minimums. The gold and silver are shipped directly to your home, fully insured and wrapped in discreet packaging. To make this easier, we've bundled together our most popular American-made gold and silver into what we call the Patriot Bundle. You get five ounces of .999 silver, including Silver American Eagles, Buffalo round and bar plus a very special one ounce Donald Trump silver round. You can only purchase this at bullionmax.com/srs. Go to bullionmax.com/srs now to claim your patriotic silver starter kit and get control fast. Bullionmax.com/srs. A lot of you have heard me talk about my psychedelic journey this year and all the benefits that came from doing it, one being I haven't drank in seven months, I haven't had any caffeine in seven months, my anxiety's gone, my anger's gone, a whole list of benefits came from that. And that led me down this journey of researching benefits of mushrooms and fungi in general. And in my research I found this company called Mudwater. Mudwater is a coffee alternative with four adaptogenic mushrooms and herbs. With a fraction of the caffeine as a cup of coffee, you get energy without anxiety, jitters, or the crash of coffee. What I really like about Mudwater is that they took the time to find the perfect ingredients to make a product that's gonna make you feel better every day. I genuinely believe that this is a good product. Mudwater is Whole30 approved, 100% USDA organic, non-GMO, gluten-free, vegan, and kosher certified. Mudwater also donates monthly to the Berkeley Center for the Science of Psychedelics, as Mudwater believes the country is in a mental health epidemic, and so do I. Go to mudwater.com slash Sean to support the show and use code Shawn for 15% off. That's mudwater.com slash Sean. Use code Sean for 15% off. John Deloney, welcome to the show, man. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate you coming. No, I I appreciate your hospitality.
2: This setup's a a beautiful set, man, it's awesome.
1: Thank you. So I've been watching your stuff and you got some really amazing content on your channel. (laughs) Some deep, 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 stuff that people are open up about. and about, um, and man, you handle that amazing. Oh, I appreciate that. But, um so you're a psychologist, you work over at Ramsey Solutions, you're an author, you just came out of the new book, yeah. and so I want you here to talk about the mental health crisis that's going on in the country, it's all over the news, and uh, I just got some stats and stuff, but. Crimes up, suicides up, addictions up. The 2020 divorce rate went through the roof. Mm. I just saw on ABC this morning that depression is up 135% Mm. since 2013. Prescriptions are up both for, or not just prescriptions, but prescriptions and uh, just addiction, street addictions up. I just saw that 65 million people, that's one in five people in the US, are on SSRIs. And I don't know about you, but me personally, I just see, I've seen a lot of change in going out in public since 2020. Yeah. I feel like when I go out, everybody's anxiety is through the roof. It seems like everybody's just trying to avoid each other. Yeah. And, and, Nobody's really helping each other these days, it seems. Everybody's just avoiding each other get out of my way. They're only worried about themselves. And uh, it also seems like the past 20, 30 years, there's been a major decline in just overall happiness. Yeah. And uh, so I'd like to talk to you about all that kind of stuff. Let's do it, man. But first, everybody gets a (laughs) present. Sorry, I'm fresh (laughs) out of boxes, but-
2: uh, You know, like we were talking about this off, off, off air. Like, I have a pathological addiction to this, man. And you, I, I got some a few months ago, and I was sober sixty days off gummy candies. No, dude, oh, man, I bad. hammered this bag. Man, so good. <laughs> These are so good, man. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. But uh, kind of want to hold them the whole the whole time. Go ahead. Nah, whatever you want to do, man. <laughs> oh man. But
1: um usually I ask. A, I give patreon a question I patreon they're my top supporters yeah. uh, that's the re- they're the reason I'm sitting here they're the reason you're sitting here and uh, I always give them a question yeah. to ask but I've worked in most of their questions into the actual episode uh, cool. that I'm gonna that we're gonna go through and um, so I have a personal question for you because it doesn't fit the interview. So watching your channel and kind of researching a little bit about all those topics and you you take phone calls on your channel and people are opening up about all kinds of things that most people don't open up to in public, especially on a YouTube channel. People cheating on their significant others, Mm -hmm. sexless marriages, a lot of stuff that most people keep in the closet. And um, so when I was watching that, it reminded me of a lot of the things that I deal with in my personal business. And, um, when I was watching it, I was like, man, this guy probably gets emails, email after email, mm-hmm. after email of, of, I don't, I don't want to, want to tread lightly here, mm-hmm. but you know, sob stories, victimization, mm-hmm. you know, they want help. They want you to talk to them. And I'm, it's an assumption, but I'm assuming you don't have time to right. reach everyone. Yeah. And because of the content that we put out on this show, especially when I'm interviewing the the veteran operator warfighter types and they're opening up about personal experiences that they deal with, we get thousands of emails. Right. And all those emails get read, but they don't get answered hmm. and it would be impossible for me to answer all those emails um and and still have a functioning family right. and business. But it does create a lot of guilt yeah. that I can't reach all those people. Hmm. And so how do you deal with that
2: as a psychologist? Hmm. Um, so one bit of housekeeping, in the in the mental health hierarchy, there's psychiatrists, which are medical doctors, and then psychologists, and then there's the rest of us. So I'm actually a trained counselor, Prior just as that. a the psychologist would be like, what it's So it'd be a thing. Um, so circle back, uh, ask me that again. Okay, so. Oh, oh I, got, I got what you're saying. So yeah. I, have come, I, I have a bad habit of running in and trying to help people with things that they haven't invited me in to help. And I've also had a bad habit of treating people like car engines over the years. Like, oh, you have, you're broken and I can fix you. And what I've come to find out that over time, most people need someone to listen to them. And so often that email firing off, they've just taken their first step into saying something out loud or putting something on paper. And just the fact that I was there to receive that, that they felt safe enough, they actually trust some stranger with a a show or a podcast enough to reach out, that starts a ball rolling down the hill for them. And so if somebody says, can you please help me? That's a different conversation, right? But on the whole, yeah, we get, th- I mean, we get so many emails and they're yeah. beautiful stories, they're, they're sob stories, they're victims, whatever the story is, often it's somebody saying it out loud for the first time or putting it on, on paper, getting out of their body, out of their head on something for the first time. So I say that is a good thing, right? Yeah. When it comes to the other stuff, it's like that old, it's the old uh, airline thing, man. I got to make sure I'm well if I'm going to help anybody else, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm going to be a good dad, I'm going to be a good husband. I'm going to be a good community member. I'm going to be a good, like helping somebody who's suicidal, right? Whatever the thing is. And so I know I can't go help everybody do everything. And so not responding to some of these things or sending them to other people is a part of me making sure it's like me lifting weights. It's a part of me staying whole so that I can go do the hard work. And I, my ego for a long time was built on how many people I could respond to. Mm -hmm. And that, the, the diminishing returns re- come back pretty fast, pretty hard. Yeah, I can.
0: So the How greatest gift take I give mean, people
2: to, is to not, it took me a long time. Did it? Yeah. Years? Yeah. And it, it also took, um, it took me, I have some major trust issues, man. My dad was a homicide detective and a SWAT guy. Like I grew up thinking like there's something behind the thing, right? Or not thinking, knowing there's something behind the thing. I have trust issues, always have. And it took me being married a long time before I decided, I chose to trust my wife enough that she says, hey, they're getting more of your attention than we are. And I know enough to know that untethers me from everything, and then I'll spiral out, right? So they get first fruits so that I can go be of service to other people. Does, okay. that, does that make sense? Yeah, but yeah, it, it took me a long time because I attached my ego to how many people I could help, and um, which meant I was bringing my wrenches and hammers and screwdrivers to other people's problems if they didn't even ask me to, right? Yeah. And suddenly I was... Tinkering away on engines that I didn't really know what I was doing i can I can relate to that <laughs>
1: but uh, yeah, well thank you because I need I struggle with that a lot I struggle with that a lot every time I open the email box and I see all of and they're heavy you know yeah. suicide mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff yeah. and uh, the only
2: ones I will get in, directly involved in hundred percent of the time is someone tells me they're hurting kids or kids are being hurt, child abuse and elder abuse right. Or if somebody says, "I think I'm, I'm, I think I'm out," right? Well, I
1: would love to ask you about that then. Yeah. Seriously, how do you, when somebody does that, and I haven't had the kids thing yet, yeah. but uh, I thought I had a lot of people contemplating suicide. How do you, how do you
2: respond to that email? If it's in my immediate circle, if it's somebody, if it's somebody I'm talking to in person, um, one of the big misconceptions about suicide, someone's thinking about hurting themselves, is if I ask them. I don't want to put that thought in their head. I don't want to give them the idea. Dude, if you're, if you're thinking about killing yourself, somebody asking you about it is like letting the, the pressure valve off, right? It's not, it's, there's not somebody who's struggling, and you're like, are you going to kill yourself? And they're like, oh, I never thought of that, man. Nah. It's not how that works. And so if it's somebody I'm on the phone with, if it's somebody in my immediate circle or somebody I work with or a friend of mine, I'll before any other question, I will say, are you thinking about killing yourself? Are you thinking about hurting yourself? I go directly into that conversation and we're going to reverse engineer anything after that. But I need to know where you are. You okay. got a plan. You got a gun. Have you been practicing this thing? Have you thought this through? Are you thinking about hurting yourself? Right. And we're going to gauge that response from there. If it's somebody who's emailing me, um, often I will let them know I'm calling 911 in your area okay. and I'm going to pass this off to your local authorities because I can't be everywhere. Right. Yep. Um, and I also know that the local authorities can't always. But I'm going to do what I can, right? And sometimes yeah. people are lobbing grenades at me, right? And they do the same thing to you, um, either grenades or lifelines, whatever you want to call it. But I can't deal with all that, right? But I'm going to call the local authorities. I'm going to call the local police. Um, every, every community has a local hotline. So if someone says, you know, from Louisville, Kentucky, I'm going to call Louisville, Kentucky and say, I just got this email. Someone yeah. says they're going to hurt themselves. There's a local vet in the area. You may want to check them out. And then I'm going to pass that on to the people who know what they're doing in that area.
1: Okay. Yeah, it's just good to bounce, you know, things off of uh, people. And and I feel like our inboxes are probably very common. Yeah, yes. A lot of similarities. But um, moving on, I kind of broke up what I think is going on in the country, why there's a mental health decline. And uh, anything that you think of while we're having (laughs) these conversations, please chime in because I'm just going off what I hear on the media. But I've kind of broken it up into a couple different categories, one being social media one being the division of the country slash politics definitely plays a role in it, I think. COVID, mm-hmm. uh, when 2020 happened all the way up until now, a lot of things started happening at home, a lot of stuff happening in the schools. Yeah. And and if that played a major effect uh, yeah. in what's going on, the media seems to be very toxic nowadays. And, uh, and then addiction, yeah. you know, the fentanyl crisis is going on. People are being prescribed. I mean, it seems like that's just the quick fix. It's madness. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah, take this, take this, take this. So I'd like to hit each of these. I love them. Um, you have any in particular you want to start with? Man, they're, it's a big
2: braided mess. So we can go anywhere you want to go. Let's yeah, start yeah. with
1: let's start with social media. Okay. You always hear everybody. I, I spend too much time on the phone. Mm-hmm. I'm glued to my phone all day. People are comparing themselves to the 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 Everybody else. extremely good-looking influencers that are out there, like Sean Ryan. Every, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and 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 everything—looks, yeah. money, happiness—I personally think everything on social media is bullshit and fake. <laughs> but um, but a lot of people think the shit's real. Yeah. yeah. So let's dive in there. Let's go into social I, media.
2: I. Earlier on, when you were rattling off some of those statistics, so many of those things go back to 2013, 2012, 2014. So there's a growing body of evidence that says we can't tease apart the exact mechanism by which social media is hurting us. What we can do is say, up until 2010, 2011, 2012, people were plugging along, and then all of a sudden, there's a swan dive of mental health. And that's when these things came online and a in a mass way, right? They were they were fumbling around for the decade or two before that, but this is when everybody started walking around with a smartphone. Everybody was on these, these services and things like that. I tend to take a broader view, step back 30,000 feet and look at the whole situation. And what I know is our bodies, our human, like the machine that we walk around in is co-regulated. You and I sit here long enough and our breathing will start to sync up a little bit. We will become... Like, our bodies are designed for that. We're designed to be in tribes of groups of people towards a common purpose. That's what we do. And in short order, we outsourced all interactions to these boxes, Mm -hmm. to these platforms, to a very unnatural state of being for ourselves. You could not talk to somebody without being in the room with them, right? From all human history until right now. And then think how many conversations we have with other people in our head, but we never utter words. And our bodies are paying a price. And so the way I like to, to, to make it to, to distill it all down into simple, simple language, I can text my wife all day long, "I love you, I love you, I love you." I'm giving her frontal lobe data. I am not giving her body the sense that she is safe and loved. Seventy, 80, 90 percent of communication is nonverbal. We've stripped all that out, and we've just said, "When will you be where? I'll be there." That's, a, that's a, one part of your brain processes that data. The other part of the body is like, we're not connected, we're not connected, we're not connected. And when your body finds itself alone, lonely, by yourself, or think about it, when you're, if you, as a SEAL, you land and you turn left and you start running down a mile and you turn back and realize your team went right, you're probably not going to make it out, right? Or you're mm-hmm. going to have to do some, right? 10,000 years ago, you wake up in the morning, your tribe has left you, you're probably going to die of exposure, you're gonna get eaten by something, you're gonna run out of water. So our bodies are designed to be in connection and if it's out of connection, it will sound the alarms. And that, dude, that's what anxiety is, that's what OCD is. Those are our alarm systems going off. And now we've created an entire industry to shut the alarms off, to quiet the alarms. That's like, man, if your house is on fire and your smoke alarm's going off, if you get a ladder and climb up and pull the batteries out, you stop the alarm, man, congratulations, your house is still on fire, right? Yeah. And so. I think in overnight, we have changed the way we interact and our bodies are rattling at the seams. And so then you throw in all of the photos and the, um, you know, you and I were going to school when we were kids. Someone would say like, you suck. Two weeks later, I could edge that off. Now I got on my phone, I can just read it over and over and over or I can see 14 people who thumbs up it and 10 of them are trolls, I don't even know. But it starts to feel like the whole world's, right? And these machines are curating what they give me, right? And they're based off that uh, slot machine technology where I'm going to hold what he said. I'm going to hold it. I'll give it to you now. I'll hold it. I'll hold it. I'll I'll give it to you now. And so, dude, it's just hack the system, man. And so I really care less about the individual mechanics. I'll leave that to my academic colleagues. To It's this or this. What I know is it's killing us, and I've got to be intentional about making other paths in my life, right? What about, I mean, there's
1: just so much that goes into social media
2: that I, th- I think is toxic, and that the... the... It's, it's, it's insanity. Yeah. It's insanity. Here's how insane it is. I do this for a living. Mm-hmm. I had no social media before I took this current job, none. So I didn't have social media until 2020, right? Had you none. haven't had anything Zero. since 2020? None. And then I got on it. And then about six or seven or eight months in, I was in my closet in my bedroom when my kids were banging around outside scrolling Instagram. Oh, wow. And I've taught about it. I know the neuroscience about it. I've met with professionals all over the country from Harvard to little faith-based university. Like, I've been everywhere. I know. And I remember looking up, and I started laughing. I was like, it got me. Like here I am hiding from my family because this little box was making me feel better about who I am than they were. Cause you know what I don't know how to do? I don't know how to parent a six-year-old girl. That's what I got. I'm man. I'm I'm learning as I go. I, I got a 12-year-old son and I got a lot of built-in stuff here and he's facing a different world than I face, right? So, but man, that social media just keeps telling me you're doing great, you're doing great, you're doing great. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's yeah, it got me too. And that's when I realized this. Is, they're good.
1: They're good. Yeah. I mean on on the contrary though, you can be not great. You know, it's not always reinforcing that you're great. I mean, you got the the the, the smear campaigns. I oh, mean dude. I went through my own smear campaign. Did they got what they do? And it's a long story. And uh <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go into it, but it was Let's a couple of years ago no, and here. there was a TIFF with another person that I had collaborated with and he'd started this big social media gotcha. campaign. And I mean and the only reason I'm bringing that up is because that affected me yeah. and i'm a I'm a at the time mid thirties late thirties seal yeah former seal former CIA guy had seen it all I thought in this stupid ass social media campaign <laughs> that lasted for about six months is ruining my day yes. and I felt like the walls were closing in on me you know it did it brought a
2: lot of stress yeah and it's those little pirate boats though right yeah it's not a big ship coming because you're We know how to handle that. We know how to handle a frontal assault. It's those fourteen single-engine boats that are coming and just filling the bottom of the hull up with with bullets and then taking off, right? And so slowly they can take over the whole ship, just with a few boats, man. And you don't see it's hard to it's hard to see it coming.
1: Well, I mean, I I guess where I'm going is I think this is creating a lot of. I mean, I can handle it. Mm -hmm. You know, it was stressful, but I can handle it. But. You know, a fourteen-year-old girl who exposed herself to somebody online yeah. in confidence, yep. and now that photo has gone viral, mm-hmm. and then that young girl kills herself because mm-hmm. she's humiliated. In right. in social media day, people are like, "Yeah, just get off your phone." It's not that. No, it's, it's not, not that not. easy. You know, I mean, my business, that's for right. example, is run off social
2: media. Mine is too, right? And that's that's the paradox I find myself in is um it pays my bills right and i have to be honest about it's doing good it's connecting people it's 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 a gpa it's pointing people to the right place right yeah. and it's encouraging people here's a way to walk through life here's some stories here's some different people who are lighthouses in a in a world of smoke okay i can, when i go home with my family i can do something a little bit different right here's a way to have a different conversation i never had that thought before I'm gonna go take that thought and with the five guys I meet with once a week that we have breakfast with, and just talk crap. And I'm gonna bring this thought up there, right? So it's it's taking this stuff out of the imaginary world and putting into the real world. There has to be some sort of balance there, and I think we're figuring it out as we go. I also think, and this is because, I didn't realize this is a controversial statement. Um, I grew up around guns. I grew up around them, right? My, like I said, my dad's homicide guy and a SWAT guy. Like they were just every, they. And they were so everywhere that I understood at a tiny age uh, the respect you have for them and the tools and uh, like the like. It never occurred to me to play with right because I yeah. I was so ingrained and taught. I've passed that along to my twelve-year-old son, and um, to a, a lesser extent to my six-year-old daughter. Right, they're going to know what this is, and I'm I'm not ever going to leave it out because he's twelve. In that same way. I'm an adult, and I know how the f- social media works, and I know that there's neuroscientists teamed up with AI, teamed up with people trying to make money, which that's their job. Good, mm-hmm. good for them. Uh, it's my job as a parent to protect the mind of my 12-year-old and my six-year-old. Yeah. And so, I'm not going to give them a. F- I'm not going to hand them a loaded gun and say, "Make good choices," because they're 12. Right. Yeah. I'm not going to hand them a cell phone, that you don't understand the predatory nature of this thing. Your development, you don't understand that people um, are going to lobby. You think that guy actually doesn't like you. That guy doesn't even know you. He's not even in this country, and he's going to bomb you, right? Yeah. Or he's going to take snapshots of you and use them later. Or that girl who you are so in love with at 16, you're not. And I, I remember that. I was there. I, I remember it. But you're going to say things in black and white, and it's going to be recorded, or you're going to take pictures of things, in blo- and it's going to be there forever. My job is to make sure that you don't do that. And so as parents, we have to re um, Reinvest ourselves in our kids' lives, and I'm, it's hard. My son and I have had some hard conversations, some weeping yeah. conversations, some "Dad, you're you're making me the weird kid" conversations. Yeah, um, it's tough. It's real tough.
1: What? So how do What is a? I mean, you got to be worried about it. You got a six-year-old daughter, twelve-year-old oh, yeah. son. What? What does that? What does an example of a conversation look like when your kid, when your son, comes home and all his friends have? instagram and he wants to be yeah. on there I, know, I don't know if he's on no, there but, no you know. he's not so
2: um i'll tell you about a real life conversation we had man um he missed a couple of birthday parties and for an 11 and 12 year old that's that's your world right that's that's the disco right that's that's the yeah. t's, t's. and he didn't he didn't I, and i asked him like why didn't you go to birthday parties man he said i didn't get invited well my first thought is like well, I'm going to go fight that 12-year-old who didn't invite you. That's my first thought, right? I'm going to protect my kid. And then I thought, oh, no, is, he, or is it the weird kid? Is he not wearing deodorant or something? Comes to find out he didn't know because they're just texting each other or they're DMing each other. In fifth grade, he was the only kid without a phone in his class. In fifth grade? Fifth grade. Without a cell phone to the internet, man. And so, I'm, I'm these again, we're, we're putting 10-year-olds in an adult world, man. And... There's a reason why we say, you got to be this old to drive and this old to buy beer and this old to buy lottery tickets, this old to buy guns. I can't put that 10-year-old in that world, right? And yeah. that's what we're doing. And so he said, and he was right, he said, Dad, you've taken away my ability to communicate with my friends, and you even had a phone on the wall that had that curly cord they could y'all could call each other. And he looked at me, he said, I got nothing. And I said, that's actually fair. That's actually honest and that's true and that's fair. So as your dad, I gotta figure out another avenue. And I ended up reaching out to some parents saying, hey, I chose to take this phone away from my kid. If y'all are gonna have birthday parties, let me know. And they're like, great. And it's been, it was me reaching out to parents and dude, it was awkward and it was weird because it's also me judging them too. Like y'all give your kids phones, I don't. Can you you let me know? Dude, they've been amazing, they've been awesome. And now when kids come to our house, Every one of them hands a the phone to my wife, and no they kidding. relish that time without it. They head really? off into the woods. We live on some acres. They head off into the woods, and they're catching frogs and creeks, and they're creating all kinds of tree forts and throwing, making swords and spears. and What I think 12- and 13- and 14-year-old boys should be doing out in the woods, right? Yeah. Um, but they turn their phones in, and they don't think twice about it. And so there's some of that. I will also say this. I knew it was bad, and I knew there was challenges. I finally said, "Bring me up a, like, tell me a TikTok video everybody's watching. Like, tell me what it is." And he named it. Bro, it was. I've, you and I've talked offline. I've spent my career in the sewer with people. I've seen stuff. I've had to go through crazy things, cleaned up gnarly messes, had to do IT investigations. You know what you see when you go through some of those. Like, I've been there. This was a video that, quote unquote, everyone's watching, millions of views. And it was a super provocative 13-year-old girl dancing to the point that I told my wife, get that trash off. And it's not because I'm a prude, it's because that's a child, man. And this is what everyone on TikTok, you know what I mean? And he doesn't know what's happening to his brain by watching that trash all day long. That sweet girl who's getting, parents are getting paid. Off, the whole thing is just insane to me, yeah. right? And so, at the end of the day, I can't control that. What I can control is what goes into my son's mind, and that's on me. And if I get to be, he gets to be 18 or whatever, and he grabs the phone, and he leaves my house, and he says, screw you, Dad, you, I'll live with that. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I'll, I'll make that trade right now.
1: Last question on social media. Yeah. I mean, because we got semi, we, we have a lot of crossover, I think, in what we do, be it a personality over a Ramsey. Yeah how do you how do you manage your social media and your family and I mean how do you how do you how do you manage yourself on there do you manage your own account
2: yeah I've got somebody who helps me do stuff but um but yeah I'll I'll, I'll post my own um one of my rules is you can't nobody can post something that hadn't come out of my mouth right Uh so I don't want some content writer speaking on my behalf I don't like that um I use Instagram and they pull, I don't even know how to log into the Facebook account and stuff, so it's all automated and they send it on that way. Um, The rules I have for myself are, number one, I've got my social media on a separate phone. Okay. And so um, it's a work tool and I think of it as like a table saw. I don't carry that with me into a restaurant. It's a work tool that I use for work, for engaging with people. And um, so it's on. number one, it's on a separate device so that I'm not just sitting there doing this all day. I have to think about taking it with me. And then I got, you know, if I'm going to go get my old change or something, I'm going to be sitting somewhere for an hour. I probably should take a book, man. Take a book and read it. But I also might do this and get some work done. So that's number one. Number two, I'm not great, man. Like, I'm really not great. I find myself staring at that stupid thing sometimes or trying to, to log back in. And so my wife and I have had some direct conversations. And this sounds lame, but I give her permission, please call this out. Because she says, I can see, I know something's coming two weeks down the road when I see you just start to do this. Because usually I start to do this when work's hard, when I'm stressed out, when I'm worried about money, when I'm trying to figure this out. This just becomes, right, it just becomes a way to make, to feel better for a second. And she says, this is usually a, like a weather map or a weather report of something coming down the road. So. I'm going to put that thing down, and I want you to go for a walk with the kids. I want you to go lift weights down the gym. I want you to go do something to head off wherever we're all headed, because wherever you go, we all go with you, man. And that's been a, that's been a gift. Interesting. I've had, to, I've had to outsource it, right? Yeah. And I wish I could say I was tougher and, like, just suck it up. It's part of my job,
0: and I've had hey, to outsource
1: it. That's awesome. I've abandoned my account. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, I just I can't do it. You know, no. I don't – it's hard to trust somebody – to run your account because I mean old friends old colleagues send in appropriate shit oh, sometimes dude. I don't yeah. need yeah. you know somebody seeing that and, and, and unfortunately I get I personally get annoyed because Instagram has become a communication platform I just I like it as a work tool yes you know and um, but so many people reach out hey do you want to come on this podcast yep. hey you yeah, know yeah. do you they just want to have a text conversation over Instagram, and so if I'm. It's just an ongoing battle, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. But um, well, let's move into division in the country.
2: Yeah, you, you have to help me with this. I don't know what you're talking about.
1: You, let, let me let yeah, me spell yeah. it out for you. No, but, uh, what a
2: mess, dude! What an absolute mess.
1: Yeah, you know, and I don't want to go into why we're divided yeah. or anything like that, but we are divided. Yeah, and. And I think media ties them with this section as well, so we could just throw it in there if you want. But, I mean, it's just, it's divided friends. It's divided Mm -hmm. families. I've seen it in my family. I deal with it in my family. I have, I mean, I know people who have had kids who are turning two years old, and the grandparents haven't even come to see the kid yet because of a difference in political opinions. Yeah, You know, and... um. And I I see it everywhere. I see great, what I would have considered very strong Hmm. families just obliterated, you know? And um, how do, what's going on? Hmm. Why can't people, I mean, I remember when I was growing up, you know, election day, was a good day. Yeah. Teachers came to school wearing American flag ties. Oh dude. You yeah. know, that pins, everybody was patriotic. We're going to vote. It was a big thing. Yeah. You know, and and now damn man, I yeah. mean you can't you can't bring anything up without somebody yeah, without triggering somebody's anger. Yeah. And um
2: how do you, how do we skate around this? nowadays you can't i think we i think a group of us um let me back all the way up so psychologically speaking we are wired to identify the tribe we talked about that earlier right yeah and one of the greatest um one of the our brains are are, our prediction machines and there's threat detection scanners that's what they do all day long right yeah I think this is gonna happen. I you know, I know where we're headed here. And is that, is that gonna hurt me? 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 Right. And that's why someone in your situation who's seen a lot of potential threats, your brain's got a lot of GPS pins mm-hmm. in it. And so it's always like, oh that guy, that guy, and you like a hard thing for a, a seal coming home is that's just a dude in the mall, right? Like that's not a right, like yeah. he's walking at me with a backpack and your brain goes, here we go, and it's like, nope, I gotta, I gotta relearn, right? What we did in short order, man, is we bought into, not bought into, we went to a place that gave us a wisdom on what's going on in the world, right? And slowly that turned into a way to make money and sell ads. Yeah. And like, regardless of what anybody says, MSNBC, Fox News, CNN, they have one job that's to sell ads. That's their job. Yeah. Period. The best way they can get you to sell ads is to get your attention. And the best way to get your attention is to convince that brain that they've got something that's gonna keep you alive. And the best way that they can get you to think that this someone's gonna hurt you is to give you a them. And if you go back all through history, all the way back, when a when a country wants to take over somebody else, they start with dehumanizing language, they start with us and them, and then they builds and builds and builds until you have no, there's no nothing else I can do except go to war, and we've done that here. Yeah, And it has been not a common purpose, it's been at least it's not them, and at least it's not them. And all of a sudden, man, I wake up, and it's been 10 years, and the machines l- learn what I like and what stories interest me, and then it's become this, I'm just yelling at myself in a trash can. And so I yell it out of here, and I hear it in this ear, and I'm like, no way, and I yell it, and it comes back in this ear. And it's just the same noise, the same noise, the same noise. And then I, my friendships circles start to contract. Yeah. But it used, to, when I was a kid, man, my dad and I had different different ideas on stuff. And he encouraged the mechanics of thinking through things. A, because he believed what he believed was true. And so if I believe what's true, what 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 fear do I have? You go exploring somewhere else because I know where you're gonna end up. Yeah. Right. That don't bother me. And it was the exercise that was important. Now families are split up because you have crossed lines. You are an enemy now. And we've at some point, either it's going to happen and we're going to have to figure it out out of ash, right? Yeah. Or we're going to have to have a collective. Everybody, we got to stop. Like, stop. You know what I mean? It's kind of like when you're in a, I used to be an old hardcore kid, like go to old punk show, and then the pit gets heavier, and then it gets heavier, and then all of a sudden people are throwing fists, and the singer would stop. It stopped the band. It's like, everybody, stop. Like, that's not why we're here. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, whoa, okay, cool. And then we get back. Like, at some point, a group of people on both sides are all 360, have to say, enough. We've got to stop going after each other. There's bigger issues at play here. Yeah. And I don't honestly know a way around that. What I've, again, I can't control that. So I always go back to what can I control as a cornerstone of mental health, right? What can I control? I've turned it off. I've turned it off. Turned what Um, off? The news? Yeah, I simply don't. If I have to, like, you know, there's a big news story the other day about the raid and all that. I, like, my wife will come by and she'll just be like, "Something happened today. Probably want to check in on it." <laughs> and so that's once every three months. I'll pull it up and I went to Fox News and I went to MSNBC and I thought probably somewhere in the middle. And then yeah. I went on about my day, because it's not giving me any data, it's trying to capture my attention like a like a tractor beam, right? And what I can control is how I treat people in my community, how I communicate with my kids, how I get involved in my kids' local schools, how I, like, how I give to charities. my like, What I can do in my local area, that's what I can, I can do. I think that's what's unmooring about federal election, national elections, is it's, you realize at the end of the day, like, I get one ping pong ball toss yeah. to win that goldfish. Like, I just get one throw and it feels powerless. Right. And I think people get angsty and I want to do, I want to do, I want to do. And man, we, we just unspool. Yeah. I mean, you know,
1: it's just, I, I feel like free thinking is gone for the most part. Everybody's trying to indoctrinate their kids, yep. they're trying to indoctrinate everybody they know. It's a control thing. And if, if at least I, if, I think it's a control thing where it's, you know, you don't think like me, so I'm going to make you think like me. And, yes. it, you know, there's yes. a lot of that. And, and, and like I said, I, I deal with it within my family, with, oh, yeah? with friends. Yeah, yeah. Everywhere I go, I deal with it. And I've tried all these different methods. Yeah. Like, all right, we just won't talk about politics. But then you have <laughs> you have the one asshole, you know. They Every, just, everyone, everyone. They just yeah. keep going. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, can we just talk about something else? But they just keep, yeah, yeah. They keep at it yeah. because you don't think how they think. Yeah. And so how do you, how do you deal with that when somebody just keeps pushing and you can't, let's just, you can't get away?
2: What, I I can't own that. And so I've put up, so we started a few years ago, uh, right before COVID. No, I think maybe it was right during COVID. Like I sent a letter to my family, all right, that said, here's what we will not talk about over the holidays. We want not talk about COVID. We're not gonna talk about politics. We're not gonna talk about Trump. We're not gonna talk about Biden. We're not gonna talk about any of that. Yeah. And I'm just putting it out there. And so that gave us a touch point. And I got a very, like, my family's respectful and they're cool. And, but as you mentioned, inevitably you end up nowadays, you can talk about, man, you got a lot of potholes in this street. And now all of a sudden we're talking about, you know, China and the conspiracy, yeah. right? So we can just get off. And so that one email gave all of us a touchstone. And, and different people threw flags across that week. Like, hey, whoa, whoa, we're not talking about this. And yeah. it literally just stopped it. If somebody continues, they are choosing to not be a part of this. Okay. I'm not going to fight you. Yeah. I'm not. Like, I, res- I, I keep my fights for just a few things. If you want to opt out of hanging out with me and my buddies, if you want to opt out of going to the show, if you want to opt out of Christmas time with, with me and my family, it's cool, man. You're a grown up, you're allowed to do that. But my job is to uphold the boundaries that I've put up there. And I'm not going to have this, this, I'm not going to have my community dissolved because you're an idiot, right? And so you opted out. And then that, like, they suck it. Dude, I can't control that. You're a grown-up.
0: Yeah. And at
2: some point, that loneliness, either combust, right? You go bananas, or you find your way back in and say, dude, I'm sorry. And the other thing I got is this. I got some grace for, it occurred to me a few months ago. This is just a few. I'm just just thinking through this. Um, you've heard that old saying, like, you don't make good decisions when you're under threat, and you don't make good decisions when you're scared, and you don't make good— like, that's that's the importance of training, right? So that when your default setting is calm and distance and make good make good choices. And I want to be graceful because I lost some friendships, I and mean, I got some big divides and across family. I, it, it became a mess, right? Yeah. And I circled back and remember 2020, like I called multiple friends of mine. They're doctors here, research professor here, path like neuropath over here, uh, or uh, homeopathic doctor over here, like, you know, make their own granola and whatever over here. Everybody had different takes on in 2020. Like as we talk about COVID too, everybody had a different take, everybody had different severity, but the prevailing wisdom was we're all gonna die. Yeah. And if you didn't have the prevailing wisdom, we're all going to die. It's that they're trying to kill us. And if you didn't have they're trying to kill us, it's they're trying to control us. One of those three narratives made its way into every single heart in the United States of America, probably globally, but I'll just talk about here. And when I think I'm going to die, literally, or I think somebody's nefariously trying to control me, that sets off every alarm I got. I'm going to come out swinging, or I'm going to come out and go run, or I'm going to freeze, right? The fight, flight, freeze. I'm going to shut down. And if I look across the country, that's what happened. And what I realized I did was, like, you've been in these. Very few people have been in situations that somebody pulls a gun and it's about to be on, right? Or have had to draw a weapon or been in a situation where there's bodies, whatever. It's only those who've been there that actually know how they're going to respond. Everybody else is like, no. They watch a lot of John Wick, and they're like, no, if that happened to me, I would, you don't know. You know what I mean? You don't know until you've been in that room. I th- So I think it's unfair to judge somebody on like that first moment, right? When I used to do work crisis stuff, I'd show up on scenes and the first time somebody sees a dead body, right? The first time somebody sees somebody's insides on the outside and they go out in the front yard and throw up or they step back. And, I'm not gonna judge that first impulse, right? That's the first time you've seen that. We're gonna have a conversation about it. And this may not be the job for you. Yeah. Um, similarly i've had to circle back and say i've held people accountable for decisions they made when they were in full fight or flight and maybe it's worth me reaching back out with an olive branch saying hey now there's some smoke cleared on some of this stuff the dust is starting to settle and i'm sorry and i'm gonna try there i'm gonna start there and if they come back and they're like yeah you (laughs) all right you're, you're opting out but I am I think I'm going to loop back and start to have some of those conversations because I'm holding people accountable for decisions and things they said, posts they posted, text messages they sent, whatever, during a time when they were under duress too. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it, seems like a, the, it seems like something I can control. It makes, makes a lot of sense. It may not work, but <laughs> I'll yeah. get a shot. Well, what kind of um,
1: – I mean, what? It, this was actually a question that somebody from my Patreon had is, for somebody that wants to stay informed mm-hmm. but knows how toxic the media, politics, the division is, how can they how can they stay informed? Because I think I do think it's important to stay yeah, informed. Absolutely it's, it is. You know, yeah, yeah. We are at a pivoting point and the country's either gonna go one way or the other That's now. Right. And um and so a lot of people want to stay more informed than 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 I think you know, they yeah. did in the past. So, so one
2: of the, a couple of my rules I don't read headlines, I read the article. Okay. A lot of times it'll say, so and so. The article is, desi- I mean, the headline is designed to get me to stop in a sea of bright colored lights yeah. and to say, what about me? And so, if, I'm, if I want to know something, I'm going to read the article and I'm going to get it from multiple sources. And here's the important part I'm going to stop. We have this idea. Um, you've probably, I, I imagine you've done this too. I do this all the time. I have imaginary conversations with people that I'm never gonna have in real life. Oh yeah, right. Like, dude, if I saw that dude, I'm gonna tell this dude right. And our bodies spin up as though it's actually happening. Yeah. Right. As though they're actually here and we're actually in a confrontation, even though it's not happening at all. Right. Our body likes the cortisol. Our body likes the adrenaline. Our body likes to ramp up, especially if you're an addict like I am. You may still be a cortisol adrenaline junkie too. Uh, maybe not, but I. I like it. I like feeling that, I call it that internal pump, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's time to go, and I'm in the shower, dude. I'm like at my most vulnerable. I've got like a loofah, and I'm like, I'll tell that. <laughs> right. It's the least, the least tough thing in the world, right? Um, we think ruminating. We think thinking about things over and over. We think worry is helpful because we think it's productive thinking. I'm, I'm working out a scenario ahead of time. Worry solves nothing. Rumination solves nothing. And I think it's a broader concern that more data is an antidote to anxiety. If I just go get one more cup of coffee, I need to just talk to one more guy. I'm going to go make one more phone call before I jump in and start this job. I need to get one more thing here. I need to watch one more YouTube clip. I need Go do it, right? How many times have I sat there scrolling the entire length of a workout trying to find the perfect workout? right? Just do, just shut up and go. Yeah. Like, do I buy a Glock or do I buy it? Get something and get somebody who can coach you, right? And we'll figure it out later. Uh, I'm the worst with guitars that way, dude. Like I can like sit there like, I don't know if I want this guitar. A, I'm not that good. B, it's not like I'm a professional, so it doesn't really matter. Like it's all ways that I'm trying to get more data as a way to make myself feel better. So I say that, all that to say, once you've read the article, you know what you need to know. Yeah. sitting there scrolling for hours and going down the rabbit holes, which those things are designed to do, right? They're just like uh, water parks. They want to get you down that thing so they can take you way to the other side of the park, man. Like, I'm going to read the article, I'm going to know what I need to know, I'm going to have my opinion on it, I'm going to go get a counter opinion, I'm going to go about my day, right? I'm not going to swim in it. Yeah. That's, that, to me, is the challenge. Here's the other one. If I've, I have a, a core philosophy is have a guy. Like, one thing I never worry about is banking because one of my best friends on the planet is a one of the banking commissioners in the state of Texas. If I have a question about banking or finance, I call him. I also sit by Dave Ramsey every week. So if I have a question about, like, wealth building, whatever, I got a guy. Does Dave, does Dave know something about that? Occasionally, yeah, right? <laughs> Jesus, And so, um, and Dave, like, on the show, he's like, you know, sell the truck, get out of debt. He unpacked bond rates for me one day, and I'm a pretty smart guy, and my head almost exploded. Like, he's a savant, right? I got a guy, I know. I have a friend who's the, the CEO or associate CEO of a, of a HVAC company. You know what I never have to worry about? An air conditioning question. If I have a question, I call him and say, hey, what's the, the latest thing I should get? Because I got to replace my air conditioner. I don't Google it, I don't go to Yelp, I got a guy. And so similarly, if I ever have a question about Blackwater, I have a friend in my local community named Sean that I can ask about. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can Google it and find all kinds of garbage and call somebody who actually knows. And so, what I have to do then is not outsource all of my insights and knowledge and relationships to the computer. I got to go be with actual people. You'd
1: look for a resident expert on real the topic.
2: humans who've got wisdom, who have actually done the work themselves, who have walked with other people, who know the academic knowledge too. There's that's another weird thing that's happened now. is, if someone's like, no, I actually did the studies. It's like, oh, figures, you idiot. Now it's like a virtue to know less, right? Yeah. And so we're just in this weird environment where I'm all sitting down with wise people, right? You and I had lunch together months ago. Like, I'm all sitting down with somebody and be like, that oh, guy knows what he's talking about. I trust him. Yeah. And now we can have different conversations, right? And, and that, to me, is a much better way to get news than walking into a Vegas casino, right? And yeah. just all the lights and
1: sounds. Yeah, I find a lot of people... This is a little off-topic, but I'm just going to go, and myself included. But, you know, I used to, when this channel started, I used to do a lot of gun reviews and shit like that. Yeah. And whatever, it's a review. It's just my opinion. (laughs) But what I find people do, and I started noticing that back then, and now it carries over into everything, global warming, climate change, politics, like, whatever, whether science, there's science, it seems like nowadays you can look for information. Like, I'll, be, I'll, I'll give you an example. Maybe I did a gun review on that gold-plated Desert Eagle behind you, and I said, this gun's horrible. It sucks. I think it's a piece <laughs> of shit. <clears throat> well, and there's 50 other reviews like that. They, people will go and they will research everything they can do to confirm why they need to buy that gold plated desert eagle. They might see 50 negative reviews but they're going to keep looking for the one reason Cuz that's the one they want. that justifies yes. why they want that and that's I think that's carrying over into everything now. It's carrying over into into science. Yep. I mean I could I just the reason I brought up global warming, uh, climate change, is because the interview I did before you was about oh the climate science it had something right. to do with that, and so here's when here's... I was researching it, I can find science that says that basically proves it wrong, yeah, and I can find science that basically proves it's happening, yeah, yeah. and I mean I'm. Do you know what I'm getting at? 100%. People will just sit there and they will justify their beliefs, justify yes. that purchase. Just they want they will research, 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 go through the internet just to justify why they need that thing or why their belief is right yeah. and not wrong. And and um, anyways,
2: there, there, no, I, I I think the politicalization of science has become a mess. Yeah, and it's it has. There are some nefarious scientists. There's no question about that. Um, Here is a great lesson I learned. So I've spent 20 years working in higher ed, right? I was a professor and I um, did my own research, but I also was a dean of students working with people when the wheels had fallen off their lives, right? And it was a fascinating... I I jumped to a media company, to to, to Ramsey Solutions, right, in 2020. And here's what was an awesome moment for me that was a big, like neon sign of clarity. When King's, I think it was King's College, when COVID first kicked off, and kings I think it was King's College out of London, I may be wrong there, but one university group put on the table, we think 15, I'm making the numbers up, but 15 million people are gonna die. The media picked that up, politicians picked that up and took off. This is nothing, they're making it up or we're all gonna be dead, right? We heard 15 to 20, well now 20's the new number, right? And we heard 50, now all of a sudden it's off to the races. And the bigger the number or the bigger the red font or the scarier the breaking news story could be, the more they got our attention. In the academic world, when they laid that down, the whole goal of a scientist is to be less wrong. You reject the null. I proved to you that I wasn't wrong, right? Yeah. Or I found out I wasn't wrong. So when they laid that down, every science group in the world that had a a lab or some sort of interest or some sort of skill set around that said, game on. It's a a game to be less wrong. And then within two or three weeks, they were like, oh, cool, not only 10. We've revised the models down and data's coming in. And then it's revised here and it's revised here. The only two groups that don't have a revision mechanism are media and politicians who can't come back and say, hey, we reported this on Monday. We got some new data. Here's the thing on Friday. Because then it's like, ooh, change your mind. You're not stable. And I'm thinking, why do you read a, a, a book? It's to yeah. learn something new, right? Why do you get an ops report so I can learn something new? And then you get there, and you're like, ops report missed this one. And you relay that back, so now they've got a bigger, pic- better picture. But we've created a world in media where there's, there's no, there is there's no, hey, I'll learn something new button. We should all celebrate when we find out, oh, man, we've been doing this for five years, we were way off. We need to start doing this now. We should all cheer. Yeah. Instead, we turn that into the next election cycle as to why you should hate them and why yeah. they're stupid, right? Instead of saying, dude, thank God 15 million people aren't going to die. It's only going to be this number. Awesome. Can we get a... it?" It's, a, it's Everybody's using the same words, but they're just flying past each other. Yeah. And there are scientists now who have social media has like, oh, I can make a lot more money posting, I can make a lot more money doing public speaking than I can at my professor job. I can make way more money writing a book than I can writing an article that nobody's going to read. And so it has changed the incentive structure for thoughtful people. Interesting. It's a mess. Yeah. Back back in in the 70s, 60s, 70s, if you did something, if you were in higher, if you did something for business, if you did something for like a company, you were a charlatan. How dare you
1: take really? money?
2: How dare you take money from business? Be- no. Our job is to create bricks of knowledge and put them up there. They can come buy those bricks on their own. That's not our job. So much so that it was divorced from reality, right? Now you end up with these studies and <laughs> do nothing, right? So the interplay is good, but it's relatively new that scientists are in it or the incentive structure has shifted. That yeah, makes a lot it's of a sense. Mat. Well,
1: let's take a quick break. Cool. When we come back, we'll uh, get into the implications of what COVID-19 has done to the (laughs) mental health of the population. You got it. You know, guys, the older I get, the more obsessed I get with the maintenance of my own lawn, but it's a big job. So I started paying somebody to do it and I would love when they would put these little designs in my lawn, but one thing I started noticing is I started missing all the little nooks and crannies. And that's an equipment issue. Then I found Manscaped. <laughs> Thanks to the lawnmower 4.0, it's real easy to get those wide open spaces and has light on it, so now I can mow my lawn in the dark. Then there's those hard-to-reach things thanks to the weed whacker I'm no longer standing in the front of the mirror on one foot with the other foot above my head trying to get all those hard-to-reach places when my wife walks in and you have that awkward look on your face (laughs) get 20% off and free shipping with code Sean S-H-A-W-N at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscape.com, use code Shawn. It's time that you enjoyed the finer things in life and get yourself a platinum package for your platinum package. Shaver balls, be a man. I love to talk about my meat so what i'd like to do right now is show everybody what i'm packing don't get too excited ladies because i'm talking about good ranchers you see good ranchers has premium meat cuts so how many of you are tired of going to the grocery store and you look at the meat aisle and it's empty or it just looks like garbage because that's what it is it's garbage that's why you get good ranchers it gets mailed you get meat, premium meat, mailed right to your front door. So, ladies, you can get excited about that. Who doesn't want meat mailed right to their front door? Like on on call, literally, on delivery. Anyways, comes to your door. They're all individually packaged like this. Some good-looking meat, right? Throw it in the freezer. You thaw them out you never run out of meat for dinner. So so you can have meat every single night. That's right, carnivores. So what I need you to do is go to GoodRanchers.com slash Sean, you're gonna get $30 off your first order and they're gonna ship you your meat for free. It's like a dream come true. So anyways, once again, go to GoodRanchers.com slash Sean and get your meat shipped to your front door today. All right, John, we're back from the break. We're getting ready to dive into COVID. <laughs> but, um, but no, it's all seriousness, a, a lot has obviously, a lot has changed mm. since COVID hit 2020. And I wanna know what you think the implications are gonna be. You know, mm. from all this on, on, on everybody. I mean, it's affected adults, kids, masks. People are scared shitless. They're going to die from it. People think it's a hoax. Yeah. I mean, it's it's affected everybody in different ways. Just, I guess, it just matters how you mm. think. You
2: know, and what, what you're. You don't want to get that. Yeah, yeah. So I consider myself an optimist and a stark realist. Okay. Um, hope is a big thing for me. Like if there's not a light at the end of the tunnel, I'm not going to walk in that tunnel, right? Yeah. And I think, I think what happened over the last couple of years is a hundred year play out. Um, and you You think this is going to affect us for a century? At least. Here's why. Um, not COVID. Mm -hmm. I don't think COVID is. We had a generation of adults Went crazy, and we pulled the pillars on. Uh, we pulled the pillars on the bedrock of where the, how this thing, what this thing sits on. We pulled the pillar on education. If you go to that school, those teachers are trying to kill you. Or if you don't go to school, right? Like so, we pulled the pillar on education. We stopped worship services across the country. We pulled the thread on, on like on on the binding um, principles that people get up every day. Like that's the reason they they operate in the world is to uphold their religious faith to live into it. And we we stopped it. Stop. can't do that. We pulled the pin on on government. Everybody talks crap about government. And everybody. But at the end of the day, I thought. Everybody, like behind closed doors, had my best interest. Mm-hmm. I no longer believe that. And whether it's true or not doesn't matter. It's the fact that I don't believe that. It's the fact that we told a group of kids, that doctor is giving you bad advice. I'm a plumber. I know more than that doctor does. I googled it or yeah. I watched a YouTube video. That guy's trying to kill you. We're also like masks or no masks, right? You need to take ivermectin or you need to, I don't care what the doctor was saying. You have a group of parents group of adults, a group of media supervisors who went to war against the medicals. So you're talking about medicine, education, government, religion. In three years, we pulled the pin on all of it. Yeah. And now i got a six-year-old daughter who's trying to navigate a world that I don't think we fully understand what we've done. We turned it into ash. Now we've given her reason to doubt things. Yeah. And so these kids are swinging off it's like jumping out of a plane. I, I took my first jump out of a plane the other day. Dave talked some of us into doing do my first skydiving thing, and I'm terrified of heights, man.
1: You did that voluntarily?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was wild. I hate jumping you hate out it? of planes,
1: can't oh. stand it.
2: I, I, I knew the moment I hit the ground. I'm going to do that for the rest of my life. I loved every second of it. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. Good like, for you. It was, it was
1: awesome. It scares the shit out of um, me every single time. <laughs> I have no idea why you would want to jump out of a perfectly good airplane. Uh,
2: well, but, yes. <laughs> it was taking us up to 14,000. We got to 2,500. I was like, I can't believe we're going to jump. And the guy's like, oh, we got a long way to go. I was like, no. But yeah, I, anyway, I loved it. I don't even know why I was telling you. Why was I telling you that? Um. Oh, it's like jumping out and him like hey i didn't pack this chute and i don't know how solid it is. is. Am mm. not jumping? Yeah. <laughs> like that guy on my back said i packed this and i've a vested interest in both of us landing safely. All right, let's jump. Right? And that's what we've done with our kids. And literally they're going to ha- we're going to have to as a culture build that back. Um my daughter lost some critical developmental moments. Um, like what? Like how to how to read facial features, how to uh, be uncomfortable, how to um, have rejection, and like these critical things that happen when you're four, five, and six. It's gone, gone, gone. Damn, I and didn't even think about that. Facial expressions.
1: Yeah, just. So some, she's gonna not, you don't think she can read body language? And-
2: she can't, I mean, she's gonna have to learn, right? And kids are incredibly resilient, right? So I, I, I don't wanna oversell that. But I do think down the road, I I see it it with her, I see it with my son, I see it with their friends, it's a different environment. And um, you put that on top of this stuff, outsourcing communication to the electronic world, and yeah, I think we've spun the top on that one.
1: Why do you think it's gonna take 100 years?
2: Because I think you gotta cycle out, right? Now, I mean, you look at folks who go through major collective traumas together, they're great grandkids, right? You've seen some of those studies or heard about them Um, trauma gets passed on and on. And so I think there's a collective trauma here. And here's the other thing. They saw adults, and this is a big one. So I've been on, people have asked me, like my thoughts on masks, no masks, all that kind of stuff. I've got my opinion on that stuff. Mm -hmm. More importantly, our kids saw our parents go crazy. And children absorb tension. They absorb chaos and they make it their fault. Because the adults in the world are their entire world. And so if dad is angry, I need to fix me to bridge this gap. Very few kids understand dad's crazy, or dad's having a bad day. They think dad's mad and I need to fix this. And so we have children who have become responsible for the emotional regulation of the adults in their world, and they cannot carry that weight. And it will spin out in all different. So it's going to take a group of people and a collective effort to say, and unfortunately, usually, if you look at throughout history, it's a calamity. It's some big challenge that a group has to rise together to meet, which I think we will. So I'm optimistic long term. There's going to have to be some things that people put aside their anxieties, put aside their, their drama, put aside their, I'm keto, I'm vegan. They're going to put that crap down because we've got bigger problems to solve. It's going to take that sort of collective coming together. Um, my dream is that we would have the willpower just to do it. I don't, I'm not super optimistic about it. I think we're going to have to, to have a challenge. We're going to have to rise and meet it. The light in the tunnel's dim for that, huh? Yeah. So you think that basically, I mean, the... It's going to be my daughter's kids, kids going to have or to my die. daughter's grandkids. They're going to have to figure something out.
1: You think all of us are going to have to die before this starts to reset? Or we're going to have
2: to go to our kids and say, I'm sorry. I went bananas. And I'm turning the TV off. And here's the other thing we were talking about earlier about getting off social media, we were talking earlier about getting off the news. and figure... Somebody sat down with me the other day and they said, I'm, I've, um, and it's, a, it's somebody I'm close to, and they said, Enough's enough. I got to change my life. I don't sleep anymore. My this, my this, my this. It was, it was a hard conversation, but it was them just being vulnerable, just being open. Here's where I'm at. Uh, a, a, a dude uh, uh, right around my age. And I told him, I can tell you some things. It's the hours of 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. that wind most people down. Because I'm going to tell you to get off your phone, and I'm going to tell you to go for, lift weights, I'm going to tell you to go for a walk, I'm going to tell you to change what you eat. That's all fine. But when you do all those things, at 8 o'clock, you're going to be staring at your wife. And you're not going to know how to talk. And you're going to feel a little bit weird. It's going to feel a little bit awkward until you all learn some new skills on how to communicate together, on how to have sex instead of watching Netflix again, how to do some of these things that we've just lost over time. And most people fall apart there. And so I just go back to this. I go back to scrolling. I go back to Netflix. It's like, hey, I'll just start the next episode for you, bro. Like, you don't even have to move. I'll just start the next one. And by the way, that series is over. I know you're going to like this one. I'll go ahead and just start it for you. I don't even have to move, right? And the groceries will just come. So we've created this world where we're insulated from some of the So it's going to take people saying, I'm going to engage that two hours of, awkwardness until i learn a new set of skills and i can practice these skills and are you in it i'm in it are you in it i'm in it and i'm gonna go to my kids and say hey i acted crazy the last two or three years and i'm sorry i was scared i was nervous i was whatever i'm in this together now i'm gonna have to go kick a soccer ball right i went and bought me and my son bow and arrows so that i've i've got things i can do that i love and bring me peace it's meditative for me and I have some time with him and we're outside so I can hit all these buckets at the same time. And that's an hour I'm not spent on social media. I'm not sitting on a couch watching TV. For the first 16, 17 years of my marriage, we had no recliners in the house. Cause my wife's like, if there's a recliner here, you will sit down. And if you sit down, you'll turn the TV on. If you turn the TV on, I've lost you. So there's no. We, that's how radical we got in my house. And now we've created a world where sitting down feels weird, you know what I mean? Um, we're gonna go move, but it's gonna take a group of people facing discomfort and heading into it. Then, yeah, man, I'll be all about that, man. If we wanna do that, yeah. we, I know we can. I know we can, no question.
1: Man, are there that many families out there that don't communicate, that just sit there on the phone? I, we don't do that. Yeah, I, Me and my wife have great communication, we always no, we
2: it's, it's that two inches apart and 2,000 miles away from each other, man. That's, that's that common. I sit right here on the couch and I'm scrolling ESPN Sports and she's scrolling Pinterest and we are in different planets. We're right next to each other, and it's our bodies are screaming at us, man. Like not connected, not connected, not connected. And we call this together time, and it's it's a, it's, it's wrecking families and it's kids. I mean, you can go grow, I mean, you can go to a city restaurant now. Oh, I see Just that buried everywhere. on the on the screens, man. Well, I'm, I don't want to deal with my the discomfort. You got a little kid, right? I don't want to deal with the discomfort of an unruly child in a restaurant. It's embarrassing. It's annoying. They knock a water glass over. They don't like this food. Like that's just part of being a parent. I can make all that go away. Just hand them a phone. Yeah, right. And that's generational, man. Because then you have a kid that doesn't know how to what decorum looks like. Doesn't know what respect and dignity looks like. Doesn't know how to control their body for an hour. Um, and all of those things ripple through a society. It ripple through a community, and so it's it's a group of restaurants saying no phones welcome, like they did when they said no smoking in here. Everyone's was like oh we're gonna shut you down. They didn't. People just quit smoking in there because they wanted to go eat in the restaurant. There are no phones allowed in this restaurant. It's gonna take something like that. It's gonna take a group of parents at a school saying we're not gonna. Everyone, if we all agree, no kids on phones. Everybody in? Cool. We're gonna do that. And it's going to take stuff like that.
1: Man, the whole distrust thing you were talking about, too. I mean, just thinking about being a little kid and you got your parents th- think one way. You got the school that thinks the other way. You got your friends that think this way. Everybody, like I was saying, the sciences seems to be mm-hmm. manipulated All over the place. on both That's right, sides. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and what the hell? I mean, where where are
2: kids going to? I thought my teachers were the smartest people in the world. Me too. Here's what, beyond the smarts, I thought my teachers loved me and cared about me. Yeah. I thought my minister at church loved and cared about me. I thought, um, I'm trying to even go back when I was the the earliest memories I have. I thought that Ronald Reagan and George H. and I thought Bill Clinton, I thought they loved me and wanted the best for me. Right. I don't think that's a clue. I thought my doctor knew everything, mm-hmm. right? And if he said to do it, we just did it. Because like, the doctor said, we don't have that anymore. And it's less about, like, again, I hope you hear what I'm saying. Like, It's less about I disagree with your advice. It's more there's a pinhole in the air of the institution. And um, I heard it put best the other day, um... I mean, everybody from Jordan Peterson to Esther Perel, I mean, these are people all over the aisles saying we have some common stories that bind civilizations together and we pull the thread on all of them all at the same time. And so we're gonna have to decide, I'm gonna build better things that are gonna make these um, dysfunctional things obsolete. That's a better, harder road to hoe than it is to just go burn everything to the ground, right? One of them, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because this is, I'm I'm getting out of my lane here on what I don't know. One of them feels very much like the Greatest Generation that came from World War II, and mm. we're going to channel this into a collect. We had a collective purpose here, defeating evil, and now we're going to have a collective purpose here. And of course, psychologists, we can pick this apart, but they came home and built versus what you experienced in overseas, which is. We're just gonna keep burning. Oh, you build up a little. T- we're gonna burn it down. We're gonna build up a little. T- we're just gonna burn it down. And one of those, right? One of these, you end up over time with some functioning societies and some some institutions that help everybody move forward. Yes, they got cracks. Yes, they got. We got to work on them. There needs to always be critics. All that's important, but it's better than nothing, right? It's better than scorched earth. And so, um, yeah, uh, absence a group of people getting together, saying, "Let's start building. Let's start doing something right. Let's start creating." Um, Man, yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be a long century. Do you think that,
1: are there any other implications from, from COVID that you think are going to?
2: I think the general, again, like, what if the next one's bad? Yeah. Right? What if the Sean Ryan disease ripples through? I mean, nobody's going to put on a mask. Nobody's going to. Stay at home. Nobody's gonna not work, right? Yeah. And so we we cried wolf too much and too loudly on both sides of the. We everyone's yelling, and so now the next thing, yeah, it could be tough. It yeah, be tough. Yeah. What do you What do you think, man? Like, what do you What are you experiencing? With with uh, like what, like as as a young dad, as a fo- like you've seen a lot of the world, you've experienced a lot. You get the emails from all over the country. Um, I think the biggest thing that I've Taken
1: from the, the. I'll say this, the first thing that comes to mind is I had no idea how many people in this world live in fear all the time. All the time. And that became, the, the veil got lifted when mm. COVID happened. And you know, my son wasn't born, you know, he's 11 months old. Yeah. So, um, but I, I saw... I just saw fear everywhere. Yeah. Fear that your rights are gonna be taken away. Fear that you're gonna catch the virus. Fear everywhere, yeah. you know? And, and I just, I don't live in fear. I never right. have, right. Yeah. you know? I don't live in fear and, and I don't want my son to
2: grow up living in fear. How do you balance, um So, some would say I don't live in fear, but I still put on an oven mitt before I grab my cast iron skillet off the stove, mm-hmm. right? I'm not scared of the skillet. It's on fire,
1: right? it's yeah. hot.
2: So, I'm going to take precautions because I'm not dumb, right? I don't live in fear of my gun, but I don't load it till I'm out, till I'm getting out of the car to go hunt and I, I keep it on state, right? So, I take precaution. How do you balance not living in fear with? Rational, smart.
0: Well, because I feel I mean, like it, I
2: feel like it got wiped, right? I don't live in fear, which like I'm just gonna act insane, or I'm scared of everything, and I'm not gonna I'm gonna hold my breath for the next for the rest of my life, right? It's, there's gotta be a balance there. Yeah, I mean, for me personally,
1: I guess we all live in fear to a certain extent, right? We we I mean, I have I have a fear that I'm gonna be out with my family and there's gonna be an active something happens there, you go. you know you, what I yeah, mean? Yeah. So what do I do? I figure out the solution. All right, I'm not going to let that control me and not go anywhere for the rest of my life. Right. I'm going to learn how to handle a weapon to mm-hmm. be able to protect my family if that were to happen, and then I'm going to go about my day.
2: There you go. You man. know,
1: and and for me, that was the same with COVID. And I, at the beginning, I took it extremely, I was the guy out there with the Lysol can yeah. hitting my packages, yeah. you know, and then... Then, you, then we get more and information. I, and Then we yep. get more information, right? And then I formulated, and because the science was manipulated on every everywhere. front, everywhere you look at, the <laughs> yeah. media, everything, yeah. I just educated the best, educated myself the best that I could and mm-hmm. then formulated my own decisions, you know, and to be able to move about my day back to normal. Right. I, I look at the problem, I figure out the best solution for me, and then I'm I move about my day. And go and so on. you did
2: that, you did it on a micro scale, what I was talking about a minute ago on macro scale. Here's discomfort. I'm gonna stare it down and I'm gonna walk right through the middle of it. Yeah. So that as you just something as simple as I can get on about my day. Right? What do I have to do to get on about my day? I've gonna have to learn this. I gotta learn a new skill. I gotta learn how to do these things. I gotta educate myself. I don't even know how to educate myself in the right way. I'm gonna right. So I am going to do these things. So that I can go through discomfort, and I think that's the path forward. People are like, how do I heal from anxiety? You got to turn fate, walk into anxiety. That's the thing, and it, and you can't. The more you run from it, the tighter that that thing spins, right? Yeah. It's facing that discomfort and heading into the middle of it, right? Yeah. Mm. But that
1: that it, it, that's at least the first thing that comes to my mind. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, when I think about COVID,
2: is all the fear that was wrapped around it. <clears throat> And I, I tend to think COVID was, was an accelerant. Um, I think that fear has been brewing for a long time. and I think, like you said, it pulled the veil off and just dumped gasoline on existing coals and it just yeah went wild.
1: Let's move into addiction. Okay. So I don't know why, you know, but addiction is on the rise. It's getting worse with all the fentanyl coming up through. Mm-hmm through the southern border, and it's getting laced with everything. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, you have addiction from, I mean, it seems like there was a period of time where doctors were just...
2: Tic Tacs, man, yep, yeah, yeah,
1: Here's some Benzos, mm-hmm. here's some Oxy, here's some painkillers, yep. here's some SSRIs. Yep. Here's, and yeah. <clears throat> what it? why is addiction, and suicide too. Yeah. But why is addiction? What what's hap- Why is it right now just going th- through the, the
2: numbers? Are insane? Yeah. So it a, I think it was in 2019. This is how naive I was as a college professor. The um, or as a college administrator in 2019, a study came out in JAMA, the Journal of American Medical Association, and it was a, such a stark. Whoa! I didn't know that. And I thought this is going to be the one. This is going to be the study that everybody starts ringing the bell on, right? This is our our generation Sputnik. For the third year in a row, the average lifespan of a U.S. citizen had gone down, right? And you may have heard this. That. You may have heard this term. So, 2019 this is pre-COVID. It had gone down, and they said it was not because of murder or whatever the media was cranking up, right? They called them diseases of despair. And it was organ disease failures, addiction, suicide, and organ disease being like liver disease and heart attacks. Mm-hmm. And so I heard one prominent doctor that I have high respect for call, said we are lonelying ourselves to death. Really? I heard another guy say we're, we are distracting ourselves to death. And ultimately, we've created a world, at the, and I would go back to the pace the speed of things, I would go back to, we talked about earlier, the lack of tribe, the lack of relationships that have all overnight been outsourced into a different mode of communication. Um, the, the the Work has taken on an identity. Like you have to, work has to solve all of our existential crisis now, right? We used to learn about these things, hard issues at home and our religious institutions, even at school a little bit, now, workplaces teaches you about dress and decorum and diversity and all these things you should be having in conversations in your culture and your community. Now the workplace is responsible for this. And you gotta take care of all of my health care, and you gotta take care of all of my mental health care and my spiritual care now. And now you gotta make me feel comfortable. Work so we have all these things happening at the same time. And so if you go back to the analogy like of the alarms going off. Mental illness, man, it's, it's an alarm system. Our bodies are pretty attuned machines. They're, they're incredible. They'll let you know that something's not right. And I can address the fire, and that's hard, man. you got to get water. It's going to get everything wet. It's going to turn everything into a mess, and you're going to have a big cleanup after it's over. It's going to be hard, but it puts the fire out. Your house survives. Or I can climb up there, and what addiction is, is like climbing up on your smoke detector and taking a pillow and just duct taping it around it. You can be addicted to. You work ninety hours a week, or one hundred twenty hours a week, and we'll give you a million dollars. That's an addiction. You can be addicted to sex, pornography. You can be addicted to earning more money, right? You can be addicted to fifty million different things, and now you got the doctors just handing out, you know, pills, um, pills, man. And so it's a collective. And then I, I look at the same thing with hours watched on Netflix. I look at that. Is that's an. To so long tail suicide. I'm not pulling the trigger, but I'm cashing out of my life. It's the lives of quiet desperation. And you look at the tail, man, it just slowly fades. And that used to just be the American male, and now it's everybody. I'm just out of the life that I've created for myself. I'm what not, do you mean that used to just be the American male? That was the this this civilization and its discontents, right? It was it's this it's this homogenization of taking men and saying, you know what, actually, here's what this looks like. Tuck your shirt in wear pressed khakis, go to this job and come home, Mm -hmm. and you see the thing starting to rattle, um, and then you create all these distractions over time. You can get a bigger house. You can get more land. You can get a this. All of those are ways to absorb energy of somebody being forced into a system that they were not designed to live in. Right, And then you throw women into the workforce, and then it's like, you know what? You need to take all of your instincts, all of your the things that might have made you whole. You know what's really going to make you whole? More money, more power, more prestige, more accomplishment. Get on that trip. And so now we've just created an entire ecosystem. It's madness. right? Mm-hmm. I'll also say this. This isn't talked about a lot. Um, this might even be my next book. If you lay... You remember going back earlier, there's a part of our brain that is just scanning the system 24 7, 365. Are you safe? Are you safe? Are you safe? Part of safety is do you got a community? Do you got a gang? Do you have people that you can call at 2 a.m.? Part of safety is are you in an abusive situation? Is somebody hurting you? Are you in an abusive work, toxic work environment, whatever that is? The third one is autonomy. Do you get to choose what happens to you tomorrow? Right? There's a natural, built-in, who's control? Are you driving or somebody else driving your life? And we don't talk about this a lot, but we have the most insanely indebted society, voluntarily indebted. Debt forever, was a, it, was a, it was a slavery tactic. It was a way to capture people and mm-hmm. control their movements. And now we do it for a shiny car and a shiny T-shirt, right? And so there's a part of our brain that is screaming, we're not okay. You don't get to decide what you do tomorrow. Toyota Motor Company does. Or Bank of America decides what you do tomorrow, not you. So you're in an abusive situation at work? Keep showing up, dude, because you have no other options, because you owe $100,000 in student loans and in credit cards and your stupid truck payment, right? It's like, And we've created this world and said, so I need to have all these things, and our brains are screaming at us, we're not okay, we're not okay, we're not okay. And it can't, we can't live. You've been in a building where the, the, the fire alarm's going off. Mm. It's just so loud, right? And the, the blinking lights are so loud. Eventually, you either have to get out of the building, You someone's got to go clip the wires and cut that thing off, or you just have to put on some headphones and veg out. And that's, that's the opioid crisis. That is fentanyl. That is, I'm just out. I can't, I'm stuck here, I'm out. I'm just gonna go through my life and then I'm gonna be done. Yeah. And that's where we are. And so it's a re-engagement of purpose. There's a reason dudes who get out of the military and they're 30 years out, as soon as they get back in a gang, back with the team, they're all talking about 30 year old stories. There's a reason high school football guys who are 40 and run into each other, they just go back to telling the old high school stories because for most of us, that was the last time we were part of something bigger than ourselves. It was the last time we were part of a team that had a purpose towards a, a, a goal, and as a society, we do not have that. We have said it's you versus me. Technically, you and me are, are like we're uh, we're competitors, right? Like like uh, there's a, there's a we're not in a common gang now. Now, those of us who do this for a living know, no, there's not, dude. It's infinite, right? We're not enemies at all. In fact, we're all supporting one another and uh, trying to make sure people are well, right? So, but it can feel that way. We have to have people in our lives towards a common mission. And honestly, when people start making sure that they're safe and they've got a gang and they have autonomy in their lives, my boss, Dave, calls it peace, right? I call it um, value and worth. I'm worth just going to bed at night without meds. I'm worth getting up and having coffee cuz I want to not cuz I have to, right? I'm worth rambunctious reckless sex with my with my spouse. I'm just wheels off because we're so safe in this relationship and get weird. Like right? whatever the thing is, I'm worth loving my kids so much that I'm going to teach him how to treat his body by treating my body, right? I'm going to model that, right? So we have this sense of worth and it's this And in my job, in my day job, watching people come in and they've paid off $200,000, they've paid off their house, they simply walk different, man, Like because it's for the first time, it's like, oh, I'm unchained, I'm unshackled, and I've got peace in my life. And by the way, to do this, we had to work on our marriage, we had to figure out a new way to talk, we had to become a team and a unit, and we had to get some other people in our lives to walk with us, and now all of a sudden, this whole thing, now we've got a new journey that we're healing towards. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so... It's all of it, but I think it's people saying, you know what, I'm worth more than sitting on my couch. Like, I'm worth more than a life of quiet desperation. Um, what does that look like? And some people... The, the Some of the language in the faith communities have been, you know, churches are dying. They're not. CrossFit's the new church. Um, like listening to podcasts and getting a podcast community is the new church, Facebook groups, the new church, yoga communities. People are going to find ways to get together and to have a common sense of purpose and mission. Can it be something bigger than abs? Can we do something bigger than that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Can we do something more bigger that's that's a more collective uniting front towards a a common good? And that's just honestly, I'm going to go revise my answer. There is light at the tunnel. Maybe it's not a hundred year thing, Mm -hmm. but it's gonna take young dads like me and you to say, we're gonna do better. You know what I mean?
1: You know, um, off the the topic of addiction, but something that uh, I'm noticing too is, and I'm guilty of it, Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that people know, I don't think they do things We're always worried about what everybody else wants, you know, Mm -hmm. and um, like the five-year-old might get a, he might want a red fire truck, Mm -hmm. but he wants the red fire truck to post on Instagram to show all his friends that he's got the red fire truck. And as soon as that's over, he doesn't give a shit about it. And I see that happening with adults Mm -hmm. and with everything from cars to private jets to watches to... And I see all these people, and they're buying all this shit <laughs> that they don't even appreciate. They don't—I don't think they even want it. They just want it because everybody else wants it, or they think everybody else wants it.
2: And what's that old Fight Club line? It's a uh, working a job that we hate to buy things that we don't need to impress people we don't even like. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I feel like that has
1: had gas thrown on it as well. Yeah. It's
2: peacock feathers, right? It's, I used to have my peacock feathers that I would show my little tribe. Now I can show the planet, right? And there's so many coming in. Yeah. It's just, it's an arms race.
1: So, how do you get people to turn
2: inward Mm -hmm. and figure out what they want? It's, it's, man, this is a word. Talk about a word that's just been beat to death. Um, for me and my wife, it was solving for freedom and not solving for freedom in some obnoxious, like esoteric way. What is a way we can build a life for ourselves and model for our kids and our community that we can have the most peace? Let's work really hard. And what I mean by really hard is I was the dean of students of a law school a great law school, right? At a great salary. And I drove a thirty two hundred dollar nineteen ninety-two F-150. That was a piece of junk. It was hilarious. But my truck was a depreciating asset. So I him at the bottom of I bought it at the bottom of its depreciation so it would lose none of my money. And that's how I got to and from work when I wasn't riding my bike to work. And so I decided, well, we've got this issue, we got this issue, gas prices it I'll just ride my bike. I'm gonna get healthy. I'm gonna do right. So, I started looking for ways. Where's ways we can unhook from the tether, right? Let's just don't have a TV in the house for a season. That sounds okay. Well, now we're gonna have to go for walks together, and now we're gonna have to talk because that's boring, right? So all these things downstream. People wanna go to TV or Instagram to learn how to talk. Just go for a walk, right? So, it's unhooking. How can we owe nobody any money? Yeah. How can I un? And what I found is. Contrary to what I expected, when I bought suits at Marshall's for half price or I got them at the half price rack at the sale, A, nobody ever said to me, they may have talked behind my back, it never stopped me from getting the job that I wanted, right? Yeah. Um, driving my truck was turned hilarious. It was funny. Everyone gave me a hard time about it, but in a good-natured kind of way. And then you started quietly watching people sell their turn their leases back in, and buy a car with cash. Yeah. Because when people say, why you buy that crappy car? I don't owe anybody any money. And it was that simple, like, ah, right? So I'm going to begin to solve for freedom in a way that, how can I move through the world, right? That's why I went and got another graduate degree. All my education was in working at universities, right? My master's degree, my PhD was in education. I I thought, if this system shifts a little bit, I'm going to mess. Well, I worked at a university that gave me a free class every semester. So I thought, well, I'll get another degree in counseling. So I have some options to get right. So it's just living a life of freedom. By the way, I was going to read these books anyway. So why not? Um, for, like, you're a great example. Like, I've got this set of skills. And I think maybe the greatest skill you have is the skill of how to learn a new skill. And so, like, man, I'm going to create this thing. Well, then I'm going to have to learn how to do photography. I'm going to have to learn how to set up cameras. I'm going to have to learn how to. And you did it right. Yeah. And so, if podcasting goes away tomorrow. Like the medium just dissolves. You've got so many new skills. You know what I mean? You've got yeah. communication skills. You'd be a great therapist. Like, so, I'm going to continue to solve for freedom, which means I'm going to live a life of discomfort. I'm always going to be pushing towards something. I'm learning how to hunt my own food. I'm going to learn how not because I think it's coming down. That's a good skill to know how to do. Yeah. Right? We got big gardens. It's solving for freedom, in the in the in the truest sense of that word. Interesting. Yeah, and really, I guess if I'm, but I'm, 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 just processing this as I'm talking. Solving for freedom is really solving for peace. What's the least amount of like drama? In? I'm gonna know my neighbors.
0: Yeah, you know what I mean. I'm, I'm
2: gonna do these things that are gonna give me peace throughout my day. If I have a hard conversation I need to have, I'm just gonna have it now.
0: I'm yeah. not gonna think
2: about it for four weeks. Let's have it right now.
1: <clears throat> Let's move into some of this active shooter stuff. Okay, that's definitely on the rise. Yeah, man, and what what's your opinion on why is this happening? Guns mm-hmm. have been around forever, yeah, way before me or you came around yeah they were in abundance when I was growing up. We didn't have this problem when I was growing up. Yeah. Why is this happening so much more frequently now is it because lack of human act, interaction in people and kids are desensitized
2: he I'll just run through some of the like some of the things that have over time made me go, huh, fascinating. I heard an honor-shame researcher who studied honor-shame cultures that are different than the culture we exist in now, made a compelling case um, for fist fights in school used to serve as pressure release valve on a system. Hmm. When somebody shoves another kid, and you remember like back in high school, everyone got there and ran to watch what was going to happen, and you heard another kid, hit another kid, it was visceral. You felt it. It was real. And I don't want none of that. Or occasionally people are like, I want a lot of that. And, right? and those kids went and took jujitsu or whatever. But there was a collective visceral, tss, like a releasing of that valve. Right as I graduated high school, getting in a fight at school across the country, you go to jail, they just arrest you, take you out. So my son, the idea of getting in a fight in school is insane. It's madness. It's a trip to the jail. He has a very different opinion. Now, I'm not saying fighting in school is good. I'm saying that we did a good thing, and over time, we allowed this pressure valve to build up and build up and build up and build up. And then the pervasive sense of another study, and I think this was out of the FBI. They took some kids who had just grown up and never handled weapons but grew up on first-person shooter games, Mm -hmm. and they were deadly. They were incredible because their heart rates didn't change. They didn't have the trigger impulse. They just were able to through their targets. And so it may be that we've got a generation of kids that are skilled in – like, that's a picture in their head that wasn't in my head. When I was playing Mario Kart, right, or whatever I was, Donkey Kong, right? And a third one may be they were everywhere, but there wasn't this, uh, like – uh now I'm getting on a limb here, but I just have to imagine there's a romance to to media violence that didn't exist when you and I were in it right? yeah um and the stories you hear from active shooters that the first time they pull a trigger and it hits somebody there's a oh this just is this is real right this is a very real situation that I was in a fantasy I was in my head I was in a this isn't a movie this is Hmm. You know what I'm saying? So there's a detachment from reality, and all then you they're take not, all that and throw it into a box, and
1: so they're not realizing what they're doing until until they're. Realizing. I think
2: very few. Uh, I think very few. There's there's some. I, I've come to believe after just sitting with people. I don't. I don't. I think there's less evil than we think there is. I think there's people who end up on divergent paths, and yeah. But again, it could be the mental health crisis, and and of this, and the this, and the this, and I've got an outlet for this, and I've got all of these media outlets putting just gas on it, putting gas on it, and here we are. I don't know, I know here we are, is what I'm thinking. Yeah. What I do believe is this. Um, I think it was Thoreau or Emerson, one of the greats, I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher the quote here, but I pity the young adult who never fired a weapon as a kid, because he never understood the extent of a man's rage. Hmm. There's something about sitting with a kid and teaching them firearm training. When you watch them pull the trigger the first time and it, r- it ripples through their body, that it's, the respect is instantaneous. Do you think that they respect that? I, the kids I've been around, it, it's a whoa, right? Yeah. And so it's it's before there's a bravado to it. It's before there's a, yeah, it's before any of that. It is, this is a powerful tool. <sighs> and it rattles through a kid. I remind him with with comic regularity about the dangers of, I don't have to remind, I don't have to tell my kid, my son. He knows. Yeah. He's seen it, right? He's helped me clean a deer. He sees it. He's felt it. And I still remind them, and I still have guns and safes. I still have all the safeguards at my house, but I think that training kids, same as defensive driving, right? Like, if we train kids, this is what happens here. It sounds counterintuitive. I mean You tell me, train every kid? Yeah, I do, because I think it, it elevates the respect for it. People don't play with stuff that they respect. Um, there becomes a safety element to it. That, again, you divorce them from reality, and then someone finally turns 18 or 21, and they go get that gun, or they go take that gun that got all this anger and rage, and now it's out on the street. Um I don't know. Yeah. I, I may prove to be wrong with how I'm raising my son, but... Um, it's a deep topic. You know, yeah. I don't think anybody What do you has. think?
1: What do, what do I think? Yeah. Why it's happening? <clears throat> I think it's a... I think it's... I think kids are desensitized. Okay. Nowadays. And it goes back to your loneliness thing. Hmm. But... Desensitized from watching all the John Wick movies? I think they're desensitized from the video games. I think they're desensitized from the, from, I mean, I'm not, I don't watch much TV, but Walking Dead, Right. you know, I'm all about shooting some zombies, (laughs) but when we're watching that and I see, you know, I see a guy pick up a bat with spikes in it and beat a kid to death, yeah. In the head. Yep. You know, and that's that's just that's that's acceptable now. It's entertainment. That's, that's TV. Yes. Yeah, and are. we're worried about we're we're over here worried about offending people right, on right. I don't want to get into it, but yeah, you know what I'm yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. We're worried about this. Yeah. But over here we have a kid getting his face beat in that's and right. it looks very real. Yeah. I've seen that kind <laughs> yeah, of thing yeah, happen yeah, 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 and yeah. it looks very real. Yeah. And it, they're seeing it over and over all the time video games, movies. It's a detachment everything. from reality, right? Yeah. 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 And, and I think there's a, and, and then in the social media and mm. the loneliness, and you don't interact with people, you don't go through a checkout aisle anymore, you mm-hmm. don't, all of that. I noticed things changing in the military when we started moving towards drones. Ah. You know, it's a detachment we, from the violence, right? You, well, you have a detachment there's a de- there's that personal attachment is mm-hmm. gone yeah. you know before we would go on an operation we would go and we would meet the pilots that are going to cover our ass while we're taking down the target on mm-hmm. the ground and there's a personal connection there yeah well as drones came in you don't have that personal connection you're talking to somebody who's in the desert <laughs> in Nevada For the who's controlling herd. a drone that's flying over Afghanistan, they don't know you they don't really give a shit about you uh, you know because uh. there's no personal connection gotcha. and i th- I think that that a lot of this stuff is happening because there's lack of the lack of personal connections mm. I think that the, between the violence that's that's seen everywhere and and how graphic it is nowadays and the lack of you know human interaction mm. is desensitizing. Kids and they don't value life the same that, 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 that we used to.
2: I mean, so can we, could we agree that, not me and you, but I think collectively, I'm, I'm asking this, this out loud, if we could agree that, because what I tend to do is I hear that, and I, I want to say these kids have a character issues or they've got moral issues. It sounds to me like it's less character and moral issues and there's a set of skills that we as the adults in their world have not imparted on them. Mm. And if we can go back and not go back, it's just such we well, even Old the parents, parents. But as you know, Yeah. I, the parents, yeah. I mean, lack of lack of
1: personal connection within the family because mm. you go out to you go out to dinner, you go out to lunch, you go mm. to the mall, and you see parents Glued to the phone right. all the time, you know. Yeah. Just like you were saying, two inches apart. And here's the thing, though, my six-year-old daughter.
2: If I'm in there scrolling on my phone, she says, "Hey, Dad, look at this picture." And the picture is like of I don't dragons and wolves. I don't know what it is. It's some world she lives in. Sometimes I don't know what she's talking. About. I don't want to look at it. I'm trying to look at something on Instagram, and I'll scroll and go, "Yeah, that's cool, honey. That looks nice." And she'll say, Dad, look! And I'll look at it and I'll go, ah, that's scary, and I'll go back here. She doesn't have the verbal skill set, the cognitive capacity to say, hey man, I'm growing up quick, I'm more important than that. What she thinks in her little six-year-old body is, that screen is more beautiful and more important than me. Something about me is less than than that, and I need to fix that, because Dad, Dad's supposed to love his daughter, And he loves that more than me. Something must be wrong with me, right? And parents, it it goes back to us. I've got to teach my son the skill of this is real life. This is what real life looks like. And we could get as esoteric as commercial farming, like taking death out of our lives on a daily basis. That's in the chapter in this book. Like We distance ourselves from death so much. We outsource funerals. We outsource our food. We outsource anything that's uncomfortable. Mm. And we create this bubble around us. Um, And I love comfort, man. I like leather chairs. I like air conditioning. I like comfort. But I got to head back into discomfort, back into reality, right? The world doesn't care what I feel my truth is. (laughs) This is how truth is, right? And yeah, I think you're right. I think think the kids get so separate from reality and consequence and truth that man I'm angry I'm just so enraged and this is how I can solve this problem or this this will stop the hurt right yeah and man then you're off to the races i, th- I think some of the cyberbullying and shit plays a part as absolutely well. you yeah. know i mean it doesn't stop it doesn't stop and then there's just the pile on effect man yeah
1: i mean that's some serious shit these kids are going that's through right.
2: nowadays to 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 and again they're kids <laughs> yeah and we don't let them buy cases of beer and we don't let them drive and we don't let them fill in the blank. But give them these stupid boxes and say, make good choices, man. I, I just, they, they gave my granddad, he's an, he, he passed away a few years ago, he's an amazing man, World War II vet, he's an awesome guy. When he was a little kid, they gave him cigarettes because it kept kids calm. Right? They gave him cigarettes? Yeah. It was just like, ah, give him a cigarette, calm him down. And now we know that's insane. I'm confident that that's how we'll look back and be like, y'all just gave children these portals to? Yeah, we did. That's yeah. stupid. I- I'm confident of that. Yeah, I hope you're right. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I it starts I with us. Right? It starts yeah. with us. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're doing it, so. take- Yeah, we'll see, man. It- it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. It's hard swimming up that stream. What about suicide, man? You with a lot of vets. What about it? What do you hear?
1: What are you seeing? I see a lot of my friends dying because of suicide. Yeah, because they're unhappy, mm. and uh, and now I see that spilling out into the masses, and um, vets are killing themselves for very different reasons. I. I what do you think? Why do you think they are? I think there's a couple of reasons. I think one is the inability to reinvent yourself. Mm. I think is a big thing. Yeah. Um, but it's not really discussed a lot. I think a lot of people I mean, it's definitely a lot of past trauma okay. you know, but also, especially for people that came from kind of my sector of the military and the special operations world mm-hmm. i mean you're you're there's nowhere else to go you're at the you're at the tip of the spear, yeah. you are the best of the best, and then when you leave, none of those skills.
2: You're just, then you're
1: just Dan selling insurance, man. Just, yep. Yeah. It, you literally are. Yeah. I became a real estate agent after <laughs> yeah, the field there you teams go. failed yeah. miserably. Yeah. But um. But uh, I, I think it's, I think it takes, and even even not even in just that sector, but it, there's a feeling you get being in war and combat when you're engaging, mm-hmm. being engaged, and you're not ever going to feel that again. Right. You know, and I'm not. I'm not saying necessarily it's a good feeling, but it's a it addictive is. It's feeling. A truth,
2: yeah. Can um, I can I get beneath that? Yeah. Going back to an original conversation we were having earlier, um, I have to imagine something as cheesy as the connections I have still to this day. I'm in my forties now. To the kids that I played high school football, Super Five A high school in Texas. If I saw one, of, them, if I heard the name of one of those guys, I'd be like, yeah, let me give him a buzz. Let me call him, right? Guys I have talked to in 20 years. Yeah. I still feel a sense. I can't imagine the exponential difference of camaraderie and connection. So I can imagine being in a room or being down a hall and the bullets are flying, but it feels like beneath that, there is a level of trust. I'll never forget my buddies. As a seal, I asked him. I just had a thought. Do you love the guys you were on, like uh, on uh, mission with? Not not romantic. You want to date them, but mm-hmm. did you love them? And he said something to the effect of, "It was a unfathomable connective love. It was a deep, unique love that was that I know for a fact he will die for me." Yeah. And that is something that is hard to replicate in a suburb you know, four years later, and I wonder unplugging people from that level of camaraderie. Absolutely. Is that it ultimately, because then that's a set of skills. Then I've got to teach men and women, you got to go make friends. And I know Mm -hmm. it's going to be awkward and they're going to be different friends than you've ever experienced. But that ends up being number one instead of all this other... You know what I mean? Like, you got to go get plugged into a community. Yeah. It's going to be weird, and it's going to be awkward, and it's going to like like it is for everybody. I, I'm trying to get at what are some some tactical things people can do, and I always come back to, man, it's got to be lonely yeah. getting out and coming back, and then all of a sudden I'm just living in a suburb with a nice house and a nice suburban. I think I should be happy, but I'm missing that he'll die for me.
1: I think that goes back to reinventing yourself, though, too, because— So it's
2: rebuilding your community also, right? Yes, because—
1: um, You know, these guys, myself included, you know, we're proud of what we did. We were the pinnacle of, I mean, it's going to the all-star game and being picked for it. You know, and then you come home and guys can't, this is something I struggled with. All the other shit is pretty well known. You know, survivor's guilt. Yeah, yeah, blood and guts and all that. All that kind of stuff, right? And the camaraderie, missing being part of that, yes. I think where guys really struggle and, and it's not getting enough light is reinventing themselves. Being able to box that up. Yeah, I was a SEAL and I worked at CIA. And that doesn't define who the fuck I am. Right. I box that shit up and I put it away. Yeah, I'm proud of it. I did it. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. It's I would a love thing. to experience it. It's a thing. I was it again. a part of it. It's not who I am. But this is what I do now. You know, and we had this conversation yeah. downstairs. I'm not a fucking operator anymore. Now, Now I'm a YouTuber. (laughs) That's what what my son,
2: I I was talking to him the other day, and I was like, we were just talking trash, and I was like, dude, I was the dean of students at a billion-dollar university, and he goes, Dad, you're a YouTuber. And I was like, oh, man. Like, it hurt, right? Yeah. It's funny. But it's also true. It's what I do. There's a lot
1: that goes into this. Yeah. And now I have a successful channel, but I reinvented myself. I based my fears. I learned new shit. I learned how to run all these cameras. I learned how to video edit. I learned how to photo edit, I learned how to read algorithms. I all yeah. that kind of but, shit but we, I reinvented and I invested my time and now huh. I have this. You know, yeah. I was able to reinvent myself and I think I was able to reinvent myself into other communities and learn how to communicate with people that aren't type A's.
2: Yeah. And and so we got a culture that tells us just be confident. I think that's nonsense. I think confidence comes from accomplishment. Accomplishment comes from taking another step after another step after another step. And you've regained confidence because you took a step and I learned a new thing and that opened this door. Then I got to learn these things, right? So now, I, I don't know, it, it feels like there's just this rebalancing of I'm confident again, right? Oh, yeah. And I think that's the story of life because I'm confident in my marriage right now and then something's going to happen or I'm going to get older one of our parents is going to pass away and then that confidence is going to get wobbly again and here we are back learning again it's kind of get back up going to get back up going to get back up yeah um, that to me feels like the the arc of life right it's a great way to put it yeah Hmm. But, that's a, that's incredible man that, that the, the there's a there's a suicide researcher out of Florida State um last name's Joiner and he gave me the the, uh, not me personally, but he put out a framework for suicide that has, has proven true over my career. And I, I, we talked offline. I've done too many funerals. I've been in too many houses. I've cleaned up too many suicide scenes. The heartbreaking suicide scenes to clean up were the ones that it was a teenager or a young professional or a veteran who took so much time to carefully set up their scene so there would be the least impact on the people they loved. Damn. And they couldn't. Ex- they there was something there that didn't allow them to realize. If I love them that, that this much, that I don't want my brains all over this place. Like I love them so much, I'm going to wrap myself up in three shower curtains and this and this and this. They love me too. Couldn't see it. And Joyner provides this framework that is: Do you have the means? Have you practiced? Do you know how to do this, right? Do you know what you're doing? Um, I think the framework is, do you have you have opportunity, right? Do you have a gun? Do you have the pills? Do you have thing. Do you, can you get over that hump? Can you actually do this? Every cell in the human body is designed for one thing, and that's to get to tomorrow. Can you override that system? And I think that's what makes military folks particularly lethal is they've practiced overriding their innate systems. They go into challenges, right, instead of our natural inclination to move. And the third one was just like a lead weight in my chest was perceived burdensomeness. I think that's the three, but I know the burdensome one is accurate because it weighed on me for a long time. It's people who start to think, not that I don't want to hurt anymore that I'm frustrating, people would be better off if I wasn't here. And that, is, that felt like something I could speak into on the outside speaking in. Like the other stuff may be true, you are not a burden. The world isn't going to be better off with you not here. That means we're going to have to walk through discomfort together to get you on the other side of confidence, of skills, of reinventing yourself, of getting a new community, but you're not a burden. Like, we got to we got to work through that one. And over and over, I just want this hurt to stop. I want to stop. And I'm tired of being a disappointment. I'm tired of not being in my parents' thought I was going to be. I'm tired of letting my wife down. I'm tired of... Drinking again and drinking again and I would just be better if I wasn't here and that tends to be the message If I can point on that, you're not a burden, you're not a burden, you're not a burden Um, And then I think we're in a, dude, I think we're in an oxygen tank We talked about right at the beginning about hope Like end of time sells It just does, man Yeah. And I mean, if you, the climate's gonna kill us in 25 years, the Republicans are gonna kill us in 25 years, China's gonna kill us in 14 years, Russia's gonna kill it. the, the only news that makes its way through our ecosystem is, it ends here. Yeah. Why does anybody wanna be a part of that, man? <laughs> That's a damn good question. I don't wanna be a part, right? And so either, we gotta call it, right? Yeah, like, time's up, everybody. I don't think that's true. We have to say, let's do something different, right? Let's change the narrative a little bit. And there was something unifying about, you know what? Let's just go to the moon. <laughs> let's go there, yeah. right? Let's, let's, let's do some things this way. Let's stop evil here. Let's unite over some things. Let's, let's unify over some things, over a common shared purpose, other than they're going to kill us, this is going to kill us, that's going to kill us. We're all going to die here. Yeah, I don't be a part of that, man. And yeah. I get the impulse to just be like, dude, I'm out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know
1: exactly what you mean. Well, to kind of wrap things up, actually, first, do you think there's anything else that's contributing to the decline of mental health that's going on right now?
2: I think if there's one chief failure of the mental health community, and of which I'm a part of, so I think one of the things that we have not done a good job of is over the last 150 years, but especially... Um, the last 25, last 20, is we've convinced people that if you get your thoughts in the right order, then you'll be mentally well. You'll be healthy. You gotta get your thoughts in the right order. And that's the exercise. And that is part of it. But we have completely discounted the importance of doing action, behavior change, just doing things differently. Right. And so I can think about. Thinking about, thinking about things all day long. The research is super clear about the benefits of exercise on your cognitive awareness, on your, on your mental health. There's some really good stuff on eating well. There's some really good stuff about going to be with friends even though you don't want to. I just want to go to bed. Like I got a rule in my house because I'm, I'm an introvert and I tend to just kind of huddle up a little bit. Um, if somebody invites me to go watch the fights, and my first thought is, I just want to go to bed. I have to go. I have, I, it's, a, it's a non-negotiable you got to go. Because I know I've never gone to watch the fights with a group of guys and come home sad that I went. It's always good that I went. Even yeah. though I stay up too late and I end up eating a bag of Doritos that I shouldn't have. Like, the camaraderie and the we're all... We don't even have to look at each other. We can all just sit and face the TV this way, right? We don't even have to yeah. communicate. But we're all doing a thing together. So... Um, I think we have to stop discounting the importance of uh, our feelings are important. There's they're, they're signals that our body gives us and they often lie to us. And so I gotta feel that stuff, cool. I don't feel like working out, doesn't get a vote, I'm going to exercise. I don't I feel like eating a cheeseburger, cool. I'm gonna go eat this salmon that I've got in the car, right? I've I don't feel like hanging out with my friends, I gotta go hang out with my friends. If we could create a series of things that I'm gonna go do and be conscious of our thoughts, um, I think that's the path forward, and it, we tend to bifurcate. I'm just going to grind it and kill it and go crush it. Well, good, that's a recipe for you're going to burn yourself out. You're yeah. going to start hating everybody. And then I'm the worst thing that ever happened to me. I'm the worst thing I ever did. I'm just a bottle of feelings, and that's all I'll ever be, and that's not true either. And so I think we've got a—we've a, we, just sat down, and I almost I almost wonder what what— therapy would look like if we did it on a treadmill instead of on a couch, right? Like it, uh, that probably makes for a better meme than a reality. But um, there's something about, let's start acting. Let's start changing the way we talk. Let's start changing the way we talk to ourselves. Dude, if you're like me, I talk to myself in a way, dude, that if I heard somebody talk like that to the woman at the register at a grocery market, I'd go to jail. I I wouldn't let, you can't talk to her that way. (laughs) And dude, I talk to myself, you suck. You're the worst freaking dad. I do that to myself all the time. Yeah. And it just becomes the stew that fires off the cortisol and adrenaline, and now we're off to the race. So it's it's I got to start doing stuff different, man. And I think then you'll start to see the 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 turn be made. And man, I, again, i remain pretty optimistic. I think we got a got a hoot of a century ahead of us. Yeah. But also, man, it just takes a couple of dads like you and me and people listening to this. What?
1: Because a lot of people are already down that road. Yeah. What, for people that are going down that road, you know whether they're in the beginning of depression or or in the thick of it. What are how do people get ahead of it? You know, the, I think a lot of people wait too damn long before right. they start to seek any type of advice or
2: help or, or anything. What when do they start? Every single uh, faith tradition that I've know anything about worldwide, historical and otherwise, has some aspect of something we call confession. And we've made confession about saying all the bad things you've done. It's more the act of sitting down and looking at somebody and saying, I'm not okay. And I think it's the great David Kessler, the grief researcher who says, grief demands a witness. There's gotta be something that I can sit down and and look at somebody and say, hey, I'm not doing all right. That is that's step one into healing. Saying it out loud, writing it. People would call my show, and I was new to this whole thing, and they were calling in so often. And none of these calls made the air, I don't think. But they would, they end up editing them out. They'd call me and tell me, "Hey, I just cheated on my wife. I don't know what to. How do I have this conversation with her? Um, I hit my kid a little too hard. What do I like? What do I do now?" Uh, fill in the blank. My first question to them was like, "Dude, why are you calling me?" To a person, every answer was, dude, i got nobody to talk to. Mm-hmm. i got nobody. And so it's creating a context, creating a world so that um, if I get to that moment, I can uh, reach out and call somebody. Now, you and I live, we were just talking, we live 15 minutes apart, right? Out in the woods out here. We live 15 minutes apart, nice community. It would be insane for you to pick up the phone and just be like, hey, man, I," you know what I mean? You don't know me that well. You've got yeah. friends. But if you come over and help me sight in a couple of rifles for deer season, and my kids are playing with your kid, and your wife and my wife become friends, and you go hunting with me, and then you come help me mow my Now we're creating a context by which I'm going to feel okay saying, hey, tell me about this, man, because I'm not seeing this right. Yeah. See what I'm saying? And we tend to jump into this without building this. It's like trying to do the CrossFit games without doing any pull-ups beforehand. You can't do that, man. Yeah. So. I don't know. It's kind of early in. What do you think about like first signs? Should
1: it be I'm not happy, so maybe you should start looking at talking to somebody or or, to or me, making it's some the, changes? Or
2: to me, rage and anger tend to be that's first sign. When you find yourself saying, "If they would just," and I don't care who they is, and I don't care what just is you say that word, when you've distilled the world down into a them and an action, that's probably you. Okay. When you find yourself, somebody cuts you off in traffic, and you're overcome with rage. right? Somebody cuts me off, and I start down a path, man. My brain, it's just automatic. That guy sucks. He's just a drug addict. He's trying to kill everybody. Over time, I can do the work. And when people say do the work, it's changing my default setting so that that guy cuts me off, and I Take a big, deep breath, and I exhale, and I whisper a quick prayer and say, man, I hope you make it to see your wife at the hospital before she goes. I get to pick the story that I'm putting into that car about why that guy just cut me off. Yeah. When I find myself watching the news, and <laughs> the other day, man, I was driving to work. It was about two weeks ago. I was driving to work. I had a bunch of stuff I had to take. Like, I had wardrobe changes. I got a guitar I was taking. I was taking all kinds of stuff. Dude, I left one important thing in my house, about 20 minutes away from my home, and I just started screaming in the car, rage screaming, dude. And It was at myself, like you idiot again. <laughs> then I started laughing because I know. And then I called Justin, who's a he's a coach for me. He's somebody that I talk to, that he's a counselor role for, in my life. I was like, yelling at myself in the car again. He <laughs> <It> was like, <laughs> so, right. But I that was the trigger for me. Like I knew. I, I want to yell at this high school referee at my kid's little league game. That is not a problem with him. That's a problem with me. It's a freaking little league game. Why am I so mad? Every time I see Joe Biden's face, I want to, that's me. That's on me, right? He doesn't have the power to enrage me that way. I'm not gonna give that up. So what is it about my world that I, right? So it's taking ownership of how I feel and rage and disconnection is off. That's the other one, is. People usually do this, they go at you, or they run. They they disengage. And if my wife comes home and I feel myself just wanting to turn or I just head into the bathroom or uh, men are notorious about wife comes home and I'm just going to go spend an hour in the bathroom, right? I'm just going to close the door and turn the fan on and just hang out for a while. That's that's, that's just disengaging, right? Yeah. What is it about her? My two kids come in and they're a lot and they're loud. I'm just going to get away. Like Those are signs. But I need to, Sit down with somebody that you love, somebody you trust, or a professional, and just say, "I'm I'm finding myself disengaging from life. I'm finding myself wanting to swing and hit everything, which means I'm activated, and I shouldn't be activated by my life." Right? Those are a couple of ways just to know. Yeah. And there is no uh, like, you know, on Dave's show they people come do their debt-free scream. I don't think there's such thing as a anxiety-free scream. Like I'm not anxious, right? As soon as you do that, you're gonna walk out in the parking lot and Someone's gonna call you and say, "Hey, mom's got cancer," right? If the goal isn't to not have anxiety or to not ever have seasons of depression or not to be sad. The goal is, can I create a firm foundation so that when those things come, I can weather that storm? I got a tribe, I got a gang, I got a community of people I can call that can bring me food, that can be with my wife when I take my kid to the ER. Whatever I got to do, I got people with me, right? It's it's not to live a non-happy life. I think happy is like uh, cocaine and cotton candy, man. It's just wispy, right? Yeah. Happiness is, comes in glimpses. It comes in moments. It's not the end goal.
1: That's great advice. Do you think the mental health, st- the, the the stigma to go get help, I, I personally feel like that's starting to go away, and it's it's becoming more accepted, too.
2: Yeah, and again, I, I, it's a double-edged sword. It's become... I'm so grateful that people can say the words, I'm not okay, right? If you talk to some old World War II vets, I've heard I would have done anything to tell somebody what I was going through, right? And I didn't have, I, it, it, it didn't exist. Like I, The yeah. words in my mouth weren't even formed, right? There was no such thing as depression. There was just go to work and just go to work. And I would have done it. Like, like I've seen some of those videos where they're just weeping, like, man, I would love to have told somebody what yeah. I actually did or what I saw or what I experienced. So I think there's beauty in that. My fear is that we were pathologizing normal life. Hmm. The number of people who came into my office and said, "Hey, I've got depression. My dad just walked out on my mom," I'd say, "Hey, that's not depression. You're sad, and you're supposed to I be sad,
1: you right?
2: Yeah. Um, you saw somebody get shot and killed. That's supposed to be hard to digest. Like, if you are able to just digest that and go to the supermarket, probably should go talk to some, right. So." We've pathologized any sort of uncomfortable feeling and made it a diagnostic and made it a crisis and made it someone you got to go talk to a professional about. And so it's a double-edged sword. I love that people are talking about it. People are going to get the help they need, going to say, hey, I'm not okay. I think it's incumbent on the mental health community to not throw medicine at somebody. Medicine's important, man. I've, I've had to take medicine for a season. It's not discounting that. It's not the solution to every problem right out of the gate all the time. Um it's asking somebody or being honest with somebody and saying, yeah, your mom died. It's called grief. And you're, you're going to be in a black hole for a season. And that's right and good. You need to have a community with you, right? You need to get up and you need to make sure you've got purpose in the day. You've got to do some of these things. You're not broken, man. You're supposed to be sad. It's its living into some of those things, right? Your wife cheats on you. You're supposed to be devastated, man, because you went all in on this, right? Right? It's supposed to hurt and be hard. And now let's excavate the scene and let's rebuild something new together or let's call it whatever the thing is, but let's don't pathologize life, right? Yeah. But yes, I am grateful that people, especially in the circles I've run in, tough guys who are strong, who are, have seen stuff and done stuff, are now able to say, out oh, they've got permission to say, I'm not okay. And I think that's, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah, I do too. Yeah, I didn't even think about the other side of that though. Yeah. I'm
1: glad you brought it up. It can be disempowering too. Yeah. yeah. But, well, John, I know you got some, you're a busy guy. No, it's good. And, uh, but I just want to say thank you. Uh, link in your book below in the description. And uh, before you do go, what do you got coming up?
2: Oh, man, we're running and gunning. Yeah? Just got the show and uh, we're about to hit the fall, so it's the live event season. So we'll be out on the road doing a lot of live events and. Doing all kind of wild stuff, man.
1: Nice. Well, I'll link everything below in the thanks description. Thing. And yeah. uh, hey,
2: thanks for feeding my addiction, man. Hey, my is... pl- there's plenty more where that <laughs> came from, so. Needs to come with some insulin. I, I don't know how you did that. These are like the best gummy bears, and I'm a connoisseur. Like They're so good, man. <laughs> they're so good. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank That's you. Awesome. Thank you for hospitality, brother. I'm grateful. My pleasure. Best yeah. of luck to you. You too, brother.
1: Thank you. Cheers.
0: It's time to get away in a new Hyundai vehicle during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event at Woodhouse Hyundai. The Hyundai lineup of sedans and SUVs has the capability you need and technology and features you want, like the all-new 2023 Hyundai Palisade and Hyundai Tucson. This holiday season, get into a vehicle that will give you confidence with Hyundai Owner Assurance, America's best 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty. Visit us online at WoodhouseHyundaiOfOmaha.com